been a while since we've had two out of the three on the pod and it's me and Vito our boy Scotty is out in Hawaii right now uh staying safe with all the crazy wildfire stuff going on out there hope everyone out there is doing all right I know uh Scotty's out there for a wedding is am I correct is it Omar's wedding our buddy Omar I don't know I think it might be shout I, out I, if it is my, that or John so we got our Someone's annuals wedding. Yeah, it was someone's writing, but someone from our fantasy team because it was um, we oh, got our Scotty. yeah we got our annual Scott Hansen announcing the draft order uh, third straight year. Our buddy from Red Zone uh, hopped on to announce, um, and our Scotty does a great job of setting that up every year, which has been so much fun. And he's you know it's I choose I choose to believe that since this is the third year in a row, and like in the in the clip in the video he sent like. He really made, he really sells it that like he remembers us from last year. And like, he's like, I was looking yeah. for XFL 3.0, sync because that's the name of our league. I was like, looking to see if this, if this pops back up again in one day, boom, there you guys are. He could just be an amazing salesman. I actually think he does remember us and then at least the name yeah, and then I hams so it up, like, like hams it up from there. Like, also, I don't think it's, you remember. it's Scotty, like our commissioner, Scotty. He's Scott. So, like, I bet Scott. you that even he's like, Oh, Scott's hit me up again for his league. This is awesome. Yeah. And he goes through some of the names because we have some unique names in the group. Like, even Vito, there are, uh, like the some of the other ones, like it, it, we got some good, even Cabrera, just throwing that out there. That's a name yeah. you like remember. And it's nice it's, to say, it's yeah. also, it goes all over the place too with the, with some of the names that we have in that league. Um, and there's the two Jeffs, too. Yep. Two Jeffs. You have Corgus, who goes by yeah. just Corgus. So there's no he, his his name's Chris Corgus, but it just goes by. So I think he does remember us. I and maybe Chris. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because <laughs> I just think it's just he's Corgus. Um, so I like to think he does re- remember. And then Scotty also, our Scotty, also gives Scott Hansen uh, like little fun things. Like I think somebody was uh, Jeff Martz was having a kid the first year. Um, like there was a few things that were kind of popping up. So I, I like to choose, I choose to think that, uh, our boy Scott Hansen remembers us uh year in. Then there's an awesome job of of hamming it all up, which is super fun for, for all of us just to kind of sit there and, and, you know, uh, get excited over, but he mentioned something about some, I think it was Omar. It's either Omar or John. I don't remember. Um, but either way, yeah, that's where Scotty, our Scotty is at. And, uh, shout out to Scott Hansen. Um, giving us another uh, roll call. But yeah, so because of that, we have Jeff and Vito pod, which it's been a, it's been a minute since we had one. Uh, we also have the first full week of preseason games has come and gone, which uh, is super exciting. And also I will go through my uh, annual reminder to everyone about preseason. Um, but you were telling me before we started, you went to, you went to the Browns preseason game on Friday. Yeah. Pretty last minute um, went down and, and uh I uh, got some tickets. And so we in, went with some guys from work and uh, man, it was, uh, it was absolutely a blast, but you'll love this one. So we get to these seats They're They're those awesome ones right in front, like these kind of nicer seats, right. On, like behind the goalposts, but there's uh, a storm rolling through it's Friday yeah. at seven 30. So the weather wasn't great. No. So this, which I think is why most people didn't go to this game, but these seats that we had, uh, you know, ended up coming with like, this like area so it was free drinks and food out of this one area 
Well, there was that. a lightning delay. So we were there for like five hours. We had so much fun, dude. It, everyone else had left. We're like having a blast drinking, eating all this food. They rotated at halftime. We were probably there for, I would say like four hours. The game, like there was an hour and a half or so delay to, to start. Um, it was so much fun, man. Uh, and, and it was just like instantly and, and back in football and like me and you watch a lot of football. We all do, right? Yeah. Scotty too. So it was so funny being with work people and I'm sitting there. It was the commanders versus the Browns and I see them go triple wide and uh, they put Dotson in the slot. And I'm like, Oh, watch this post corner from Dotson. It was man coverage. You could see lined up and it was a post corner and they just, it was a drape over the top. He caught a touchdown, called that out. Um, there was a, a play where the Browns got a, uh, a safety and on the commanders, the play beforehand, the ref's holding. I'm in the end zone. Like I am in right there. And I'm just screaming at the ref. Like, sir, he's holding, he's clearly holding him in the end zone. Watch the right tackle next play. And like, I'm sure other people were yelling too. Right. But then the next play flag on the right tackle holding. Him oh, in the end that's zone, always safety. great. And so like these guys next to me were like, damn, you know, your football. It was one of those things where the few times I was right. It was lucky. It was yeah. like preseason luck. It yeah. was so great though, just to have those moments. You're like, football's back. I'm back. Like everything is great again. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. And it's a perfect transition transition too, because that is the best time. Like the feeling you get in preseason is just, it's the same thing with hard knocks. It's just, there's an energy. We're in mid August. We're ready for football to, to feel like it's back. It's not fully back yet, but we're getting just that little taste. It, it really is like the appetizer and it gets, it's, it's funny because between hard knocks and the preseason games, and now that there's only three of them, it makes it feel like it's going by even quicker than it used to. Because after, like, the third preseason game, it always felt like the fourth one was just, like, unnecessary, and you're like, all right, can we just get to it? Now it's like, yeah. boom, you blink, and, like, preseason's over, and we're going into regular, you know, full-season football. So I'm I'm totally with you. I, I've been, like, chomping at the bits. You know, I've, like, I, I've been listening to every football podcast that I can – uh, I had a busy weekend, so I, I can only watch some of the preseason games. Um, but I am legally, uh, legally uh, required to tell you all that the preseason doesn't matter. Okay, for whatever your team's doing, for how great they looked, how terrible they looked, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Okay, it really, really doesn't. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't things you can't take away from. That doesn't mean that there aren't things that are valuable to guys who are trying to make an NFL roster. There's exactly. tons of that, right? But I always cite this story talking to Danny Cannell when I was producing their show, and, and he used to tell this story every year about the preseason. He came in as like a fifth-round draft pick out of Florida State, and he, stepped, he ended up, I think, playing like the entire second half of a game. And whoever the rookie was who was drafted ahead of him – or the young quarterback who was playing ahead of him, it might have been like Hofstetler. I don't, I don't remember who it was. Um, was playing really, really bad in the, the end of the second quarter, and then Canell gets like half, half of the third and the fourth, or whatever, and just absolutely like lights it up. And then the next preseason game, he ends up being the second quarterback out there, right? Lights it up again, throws through for like four touchdowns and like three hundred something yards and like. Two and a half quarters, basically. And then by the time like they got to the last game of the preseason, all of the New York headlines, like New York Post, you know, New York Times, any local New York paper had Danny Cannell on the cover of it, of the sports sports section being like, this is the new face of the New York Giants. And he got all of this hype and he was getting all these media requests and everyone was blowing it up. 
And the way Danny tells it, he's like, those were probably the three easiest games of football I've ever played in my life. He's like, no defensive coordinator is showing anything that they're actually going to do. They're playing base coverage. They're, they're rarely blitzing at all. In fact, Warren Sharp put out a thing on Twitter of all the quarterbacks who had played over the weekend and what percentage of their pressure or what percentage of their snaps was the defense sending pressure out of all of the quarterbacks, half had 0%. (laughs) Half of the quarterbacks that played had zero blitzes thrown their way. So it is as vanilla base level defense as you're going to see. They're looking for specific things out of players. You can always tell with like cornerbacks is usually a good one you can look at. I think running backs is something that is typically pretty, uh, you know, quarterbacks and wide receivers, you kind of have to go a little back and forth on because you have to take into account that like, Eli Ricks isn't going up against, you know, Jamar Chase in the preseason. So if he's you're going to be your eight, you know, your sixth or seventh cornerback on your roster, you know, he could be like his special team reps are probably more important. But you can see how the guys move and jump and their overall technique. But really, it's like running backs, the trenches, you can typically get some stuff on. Um, but you're not really getting much. Now, with all that being said, I say this every year, too. Don't let that stop you from getting excited. Don't let that don't let that stop you from being an irrational sports fan and getting way too overhyped about a dude who comes in and makes some sick play or a running back who breaks off a huge run because you never know the Victor Cruz's and Julian Edelman's and the guys who like made Danny Woodhead, you know, all these guys even made Tony Romo. He was undrafted. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's always guys like that every preseason who pop and then end up becoming really, really good NFL players. But they are the 1% of 1% of 1% of guys who play in the preseason. If, if you expand over the last 25 years, 30 years of preseason guys and those those guys that pop up, like if you actually added up all those guys who were on the bubble and all those guys who looked good in preseason, you know, playing with the fours in the fourth quarter and you say how many of the, how many of those guys went on to be really impactful NFL players, it's like maybe 30 guys out of thousands of dudes who've been in that position over the last 30 years. So again, get irrationally excited. It's super fun. We're all, it just, we just all want to get to week one. That's all we want. We all just want to get to week one. We want to see them on the field. We want to see everybody go out. Um, So get excited, but also maybe in the back of your mind, just tell yourself like, Hey, you know, it's doesn't matter if somebody looks bad. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. It doesn't matter. Somebody looks really good. Get irrationally excited. However you want to take it, take it. But I do feel like I have to give that PSA every year because I know I do the same thing. Like, I don't know. Did you see the clip of Jalen Carter's? Like, he played two snaps. Dude, so that was was awesome. Like, right away, I was like, oh, my God, who was that? I went to – dude, I went to their practice, by the way. They had the open practice last Sunday. Oh, at the link? Yeah. 52,000 people. Dude, it was nuts. (laughs) The best – you'll love this one. They didn't open all the concessions. People literally went. Wait in line for a beer for like an hour and 15 minutes. Saw like 30 minutes of the practice and left. It was nuts. The lines for beer were out the fucking wazoo. They were not expecting this many people. It was so I funny. was just going to ask you, I was like, what were the concessions like? Because oh, I'd imagine. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no way they anticipated having that many people coming in. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jalen, Jalen Carter, right? It's like ninth yeah. overall pick, whatever he was. He comes in in a one-on-one rep against Ben Cleveland, who there was a lot of people saying, like, oh, his old Georgia teammate, kind of implying that he's a rookie. It's like, 
No, he's like was a borderline starter and it, it, he was fighting. He is fighting for a starting job on the Ravens yeah. offensive line right now. Uh, and he's not a bad, not a great player, but he's like, you know, serviceable offensive lineman in the NFL. Like someone who can go in and play actual snaps in a game if somebody goes down. Yeah. And Jalen Carter just absolutely just bodies him in the first. <laughs> he played two snaps. His first snap on the NFL level, just absolutely embarrassing a dude who, by the way, is this is his third season in the NFL. So it's not like he's like a rookie. It's like he's gone through a couple of training camps. He's played in games. Um, so, yeah, like me as an Eagles fan, irrationally excited. The run that De- DeAndre Swift broke where he destroyed some dude's ankles, absolutely getting excited. But we know DeAndre Swift is good and he has the talent. Um, it would be fun to see him in this uh, in the rushing scheme there with the Eagles. But, again, like all teams, especially nowadays, so many starters don't play at all during the preseason um, and, and even the ones that do, you're playing a couple of reps. There's interesting ones. Like you saw Sam Howell playing yeah. um, that first drive. Yeah. I was actually at, I was right at, I was at a bar right outside of Nats Park in, in Navy Yard in Washington, D.C. And we we're sitting there and having beers with some friends. And I look up on the TV and right as the game started, just all the TV switched to football. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. I, was like, I was like, man, it's, it's been a while since all the TVs, you know, and it's, it's been a while. It's been like six months, but that feels like eternity, man. Oh yeah. It feels like eternity. I was so happy to be able to see that. And, uh, but after that first drive, they had the safety wasn't great. Uh, he settled down. He looks pretty good. So like there are legitimate, you know, reps and there's important things for some teams. Um, oh yeah. But and you can usually tell, like, to your point, the one-on-ones corner wide receiver, it's really practice yeah. for those guys. And like, that's, those are reps to your point. Like, especially those, those guys that are on the borderline trying to make the team make a even practice squad spot. This is a, you know, this is a big dollar difference. You know what I mean? Like oh my God, yeah. and him talking about him, he was, you know, going off and doing other stuff and then gets the call and he's all of a sudden practice on Monday. Like that happens all over. And for these guys, it's just special. It's really exciting. And, and, you know, that's where you can like, really dive in, look at what's happening on the threes and fours and see who's going to make the squad. And, and honestly, sometimes, especially when they're younger or a breakout player, they have some athleticism. They had injury problems. Like those are all guys that end up again, being third string and all of a sudden contributing throughout the year. So it's, it's yeah. awesome to see. And, and there's guys who do just well enough and maybe don't pop during preseason, but end up being huge players. Like what, sorry, what a difference a year makes for Reed Blankenship. Yeah, you know, right. That dude was an undrafted rookie last year. Mm-hmm. Ends up coming in to start because CJ Garner Johnson goes down. He didn't dress for the because the the safety position seemed kind of wide open going into training camp. He didn't even dress for the first preseason game because he's just the starter. He yeah. we know he's going to be one of the two safeties on the field for the Eagles. Just crazy. He locked um, it down before anyone else. Like uh, yeah, and and knowing the Eagles, they'll probably be by the time like week three comes around, they're going to give him some like insanely cheap extension he's gonna end up being like one of the best safeties in the nfl um which i that's why i love howie rosen uh so yeah a lot of a lot of fun stuff um and actually like another great example here too and um we are we're gonna go over the afc and nfc south today that is our preview uh, uh divisions um and the team we're gonna first talk about had probably one of the best preseason plays i've ever seen uh, the third string quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Nathan Rourke. Dude. Did you see this play? Yes, I saw this. That was amazing. It was unbelievable. Like it was Maho. Like it was Maho better than Mahomesian. Like it was legitimately insane. It was getting a one tack- of like, one play. Yeah, and 
who knows if Nathan Rourke makes a team, you know, CJ Beathard's been in the league for a long time. He's the backup, you know, he's going to be a little more knowing Doug Peterson. He's going to be a little more trustworthy of CJ Beathard, but Dougie P likes to keep three quarterbacks on the roster. So we'll see, you know, I think Nathan Rourke has some, has some chances. He also played pretty well outside of that one, that one play, but I mean, just a fucking awesome play, but that's the kind of stuff that like gets you irrationally excited for uh for a player for you know for your teams like hey man our third string quarterback's doing that like you know we're you know it's just it's just fun to have highlights it's fun to have football back um and yeah i can't i can't freaking wait um so yeah we are gonna we're starting with afc south uh which is look the afc south and the nfc south they're the two worst divisions uh, we're going to save the AFC West and the NFC West for when Scotty gets back. So that way all three of us can be together. So you can talk about your Broncos. Scotty can talk about his Niners. So it made sense for us to do these divisions today. Um, but look, the AFC South, like you have Jacksonville, which is exciting. Um, you have the Titans, which, you know, with Mike Vrabel, they've just been super consistent. Who knows with Tannehill right now? I mean, Tannehill had a Willis, really, like, really yeah, rough Willis. year last year, but you had Malik Willis and they draft Will Levis. So yep. you have two young quarterbacks who like those preseason reps matter for both of those two guys. Uh, and, and we'll see ultimately like how they end up ordering those two. If one of them, like I think there's a chance Malik Willis might get cut, which is crazy considering the hype and stuff he had around him. Uh, despite the fact that he did fall to was it the third or fourth round uh, in 2022. Um, but those are really like out of the, the eight teams we're talking about today, they are the two best teams. And I, I don't think it's particularly close. Like the NFC South feels like just the worst division in football that I've seen in a long time. And I feel like probably every year we say that about something, but, and I think like Jack's like, I think even the AFC South, we talked about that a little bit last year and, you know, we gave the credit where it's due to Mike Vrabel and there was some hype with Matt Ryan and whether or not he was going to hang on an Indy and all that stuff. Uh, and Jacksonville ends up coming out of nowhere and, and playing really well down the stretch. And they now have the expectations to be the best team in this division. Uh, we know Tennessee is going to be well coached, whether they have the talent and what kind of difference DeAndre Hopkins makes is going to be really interesting. And then India and Houston are kind of both in the same spot, you know? Yeah. So I think the way we're, we're going to do those two a little bit different where we kind of almost compare and contrast the two um, because neither one of those teams is going to be competing and they both are going to be starting rookie quarterbacks, likely out of the gate if the preseason is any sort of indication. Uh, but new head coaches there starting completely from scratch as those two organizations look to rebuild. So we will start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence entering year three. Uh, I would say his first year, it's, it's, it's even hard to say year three when the first year was as bad as it was. Um, but look, the jump he took from Urban Meyer, the Urban Meyer year to the first Dougie P year was substantial. And he played really, really well down the stretch. They won, I think, what they have eleven wins last year. Jacksonville did, um, um, and nine, eight, and then yeah, they won what well, at least one playoff game. So, so ten wins total yeah. last year. Um, yeah, they went nine and eight, snuck into the postseason. Tennessee obviously fell off there down the end, uh, and then they had that crazy comeback against the Chargers, which is arguably the you know one of the best games of the year last year. Uh, and that's kind of what the Dougie P teams do, right? They show up, they play really, really hard. They have creative offensive schemes and they have a really, really young, talented quarterback. And it's interesting because it feels like people either ignore Trevor Lawrence when they talk about him 
in the quarterback landscape right now, or it goes to the opposite extent. And there people are considering yeah. him as like a top six, top seven quarterback already. And I think the truth is that it, he's probably closer to the back end of the top 10 based off what we saw, but we haven't seen it extrapolated over the course of an entire season. We haven't seen him really take the reins and be consistent from week one to week seven or to game one to game 17. And then we saw glimpses though. We saw glimpses of what makes him so special, why he was the biggest lock of a number one overall pick that we had seen in a long time. And he has much better talent around him this year than he has in the, than he had last year. Uh, the Calvin Ridley thing, that was when we marked down and we're like, Hey, you know, remember when we're doing our previews, this is something to remind everybody Calvin Ridley back uh, in the NFL after his one year suspension from all the gambling stuff. How do you view this Jacksonville offense going into year two? How do you view Trevor Lawrence? Man, I, well, I think you hit it on the head. Like, how I view the Jacksonville Jaguars is just taking another step with Dougie P. Feels like a new team last year. I do love, I mean, dude, Calvin Ridley, I don't know if you saw that clip of him, like, running routes in camp. And I know it's just running routes, but this is exactly yeah. what we the mean. The social media clips are incredible. Oh, my God. He is so quick. Like, he gets in and out of breaks so fast. You see him compared to other guys who are in the NFL, and he's, like, head and shoulders quicker than them. That's why, like, some people, I think Lewis Riddick at one point said, like, he was his favorite route runner in the entire NFL before he got, like, you know, suspended for a year. And uh, if he can keep that speed and comes back, at least with that, Trevor Lawrence is going to have a huge help on the offensive side. Evan Ingram, by the way, like, breakout year last year, it feels like for them, um, had a bunch of touchdowns. I remember that streak in fantasy where everyone was like, what the yeah. fuck, Evan Ingram? Uh, but, uh, you know, with that whole offense, it comes down to uh, – because of the skill players, can Trevor Lawrence get the ball out quick enough? Because I don't, I think we all feel this offensive line is not the best by any means. It yeah. has a couple of pieces, but it needs a lot of help. And they, they really um, have help now at skill positions and not too much there. So like Brent, uh Sheriff had a, a good end of the year, but like did not, he struggled a lot at times. Um, they got Harrison now in the right tackle spot. I don't know what's going on there. And then on the defensive side, I've never been so, uh, unaware of a Jacksonville Jaguars defensive identity. I know it sounds weird, but for a while they had like John Henderson and Marcus Stroud, these two giant defensive tackles. And it was all about the line. Clay and Campbell. Yeah. yeah. And then it was about like the, the pressure at corner too. They always had some good corners and good linemen. And, and now it's just like, I don't know. I mean, they listen, obviously you can talk about Josh Allen. They're Josh Allen. Tyson Campbell had a great year. Um, he seems to be a stud at corner, but still like, those two guys, I guess, are the identity and, and, you know, they, they definitely got Trayvon Walker, but he didn't actually have a popping year. Like everyone thought he would being number one last year. So hopefully he develops, but I, well, I guess so yeah. what I'm saying, it comes down to the lines for me. I know I just touched all the positions, but those two lines are really what's going to make or break their year. And I'm worried about them going up against Indian in Tennessee and some teams that are going to be pretty good on some of their lines. Yeah, and just the AFC as a whole. I mean, there's a lot of really good defensive teams. They don't have a crazy difficult schedule. I mean, look, they are playing a first-place schedule this season. Um, but luckily for them, they get Indian Houston twice, which yeah. for them, like, again, but this division's always super weird. You never really know. Uh, they do have to play Kansas City. They do have to play Buffalo. They do have to play San Francisco. But you take those out, and it's a pretty favorable schedule. You know, there, there's not a ton of teams on here where I'm like, you know what? They should lose to, you know, Indi they should lose to Atlanta, right? Or to uh, New Orleans or Pittsburgh. 
right. you know, like, and that Pittsburgh game is going to be huge too. Cause as we talked about, Pittsburgh could be one of those fringe teams. Another one, Kenny Pickett stock has gone through the roof in the last uh, 48 hours since he lit it up on Saturday. Um, but there's, there's not a ton on here that makes you have to play the AFC North. So you get Pittsburgh, you get Cincy, you get Cleveland, you have Baltimore. They actually have to play Cincy, Cleveland, and Baltimore in three straight weeks, um, which is a, a rough turn for them. But overall, it's a pretty manageable schedule. And I agree with you completely. I think the offense, the defensive line has more than enough talent to be very, very good. Um, they need a big year out of Trevon Walker or Trayvon Walker, right? He is, and, and I'd mentioned to you before we started, um, I have thoughts because it's we knew when there wasn't going to be a quarterback taken number one overall. And it feels like every six or seven years we have a draft like that in the NFL, maybe a little bit longer, where it's just like, oh shit, yeah, like Jadavion Clowney went number one overall, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, oh shit, yeah, like Trayvon Walker went number one overall. Um, and for whatever reason, a lot of those guys, not that they're bad, like they just end up having like decent careers. You know, Mario Williams was a really, really good yeah. player, multi time but like he's not a Hall of Famer, which is kind of what you're hoping for when you take a guy number one overall. Jadavian Clowney, really, really good player. You you expected him, we all expected him to be a much better player um, overall with some of his statistical stuff. So I feel like Trayvon Walker's kind of in that category of guys where it's like, but even less so because there wasn't really unanimous number one. And then after Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley and some of those guys yeah, had years that right? they did last year, you're like, man, a, a Sauce Gardner on this defense, because you still have Josh Allen, who's one of the best pure pass rushers in the NFL. Um, so you having a guy like Trayvon Walker on the other side should be enough to really start to pull, like put pressure on quarterbacks. I agree with you. There's not a ton of depth on the defensive line. Um, but there's talent there. There's young talent. Devin Lloyd out of Utah last year was one of my favorite players. And line, rookie linebackers take a little bit of time to kind of get caught up to speed. And he did eventually. Right? It took a little bit of time. But towards the end of the season and in that playoff game in the second half against the Chargers, he was all over the field. Uh, and this is a big come up year for him as well. So if you can, like you said, Tyson Campbell uh, was a really, really good pick for them a couple of years ago. Uh, Darius Williams on the other side. They're a little weak, not super strong, not super weak. They don't have any elite guys in that secondary, but they have plenty of good pass rushers. They have a really good front seven. So the defense should be decent. To me, it's like when you're looking at the AFC picture and if Dougie P, who I know Dougie P wants to make another year two run with a young quarterback drafted in the at the top of the draft, you know, who who showed some promise in year one under Doug and is going to take a big leap forward and I think there's a chance that we see that out of Trevor Lawrence this year but you're absolutely right the offensive line is a big part of that Brandon Scherf for them was a guy they signed to a a, uh I think it was like a one-year deal last year or it wasn't franchise tag I forget exactly what it was but they extended him this year right and so you're keeping him around he was your big signing they end up putting the franchise tag on Cam Robinson, who is now suspended for the first four games. Yeah. So you're going with your, uh, I think, third or second or third round draft pick from a couple of years ago, Walker Little, the kid out of Stanford, who's like the six foot eight giant, um, who's going to be slow. I mean, those those really, really tall, unless you're a freak athlete like someone like Jordan Mailata, who's like six eight, um, right. those really, really big, long tackles, It's they if they get beat, it's not by a bull rush. 
it's because someone is pinning their ears back and getting around them and has more bend and more explosiveness and can do that. Walker Little needs to be able to step up in those first four games or else, look, Trevor Lawrence is going to be running around, and we know he's a great athlete, and we know that there are skill position guys for him to get the ball to, but he needs time. And that's always like that that 2018 or 2017 Eagles team under Doug, like you had old Jason Peters, but even old Jason Peters was still yeah. a freak. Uh, he goes down and they put Big V out there, which is like the coaching job of the century by Jeff Stoutland to get him into like a legitimate, like, you know, high quality starting left tackle by the time the Super Bowl came around when when he came in for Jason Peters. Um, they need to be serviceable because that Eagles team that went well had a ton of skill guys. Uh, had a good young promising quarterback, had a good running back room, all the same stuff that Jacksonville has right now. Jacksonville has all that right there, but they need a stronger offensive line. Uh, And I'm really excited because, look, if they give him just enough time or if they get creative with some of the pre-snap motion stuff to buy time for Trevor Lawrence, let him bootleg out, which is something he did a lot of at Clemson, was really good at. I mean, the skill guys – even their backup running back here, Tank Bigsby out of uh, Auburn, was one I like of my that kid. Dude, oh, yeah. he's a monster. He's one, <laughs> he's he was so one of the good. best running back running backs in college football for the last three years. And you know, again, running like he could be. And I'm not trying to put unrealistic expectations on him, but he could easily be like a Nick Chubb type dude, where he's drafted in the third round, not really talked about, kind of overshadowed. Like everyone's like, ah, Nick Chubb, another good Georgia running back, makes sense. And then he comes up and it's just like, no, this dude's just strong and fast and downhill, which is exactly how Tank Bigsby runs with a name like Tank Bigsby. That's how you're supposed to run. And then you have Travis Etienne, who they're going to be able to do so many different fun things with. He's a guy that I, I talk about fantasy sleepers. If you believe in this offense, you absolutely should go after Travis Etienne. All this Jameer Gibbs stuff where he's being drafted like top 15 to first two round draft pick and Travis Etienne's like, there in the third and fourth rounds. Great guy to have, especially if you're in a PPR league. I think there's enough weapons, especially now that Christian Kirk isn't your number one wide receiver anymore. You know, like last year, that offense looked and worked really, really well with Christian Kirk as your number one wide receiver. Zay Jones was your number two. And then you have Jamal Agnew, who's basically a punt returner, kick returner, who they've turned into a decent offensive weapon. Uh, so you have like Ford and then obviously you add in Calvin Ridley, which is, you know, the, the, the true number one guy. I think there's a chance that this offense can outscore or at least hang with these AFC offenses because the defenses in any team in, in the AFC is going to struggle defensively, you know, with the exception of the Jets, right? The Jets at least have the skill position, you know, the skill guys on defense to, to hang with some of these high powered offenses. But even still, like you have to be able to outscore. Patrick Mahomes. You have to be able to outscore Josh Allen and and Joe Burrow and these guys and these teams that are really, really dynamic offensively, and they have the pieces to do it. But you're right. If they don't have a solid foundation on the trenches, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I don't know if the the skill position guys really matter that much. No. And and to your point, like they have some pieces on that defense. They don't have enough to compete. Um, I don't know if anyone in this division really does on the defensive side. Like 
uh, again, when they won a playoff game, it's because the offense came out and just scored mad touchdowns. And like, you know what I mean? Like in the second and, half. And look, the defense did they stepped up. lock them out in the second half. No, yeah. they did. But I, I guess what I'm saying is they need that kind of effort in order to win a playoff game. So that needs to be the expectation of the offense. Or uh, they need to adjust like how they're taking the games on in terms of like, to your point, run the ball more, limit possessions, see if we can slow this game down instead of getting into barn burners. Because I don't think that's going to necessarily be their game, but we'll see. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right. WP does them both a lot. So, <laughs> Well, and look, I mean, I, I think at this point, this is team number two with Doug. And in, with team number two with Doug, we've seen it again. Like, he, sh- he knows how to develop teams. Mm-hmm. And at, at this point in time, he has helped develop another team in one year from one of the worst situations you could be after the Urban Meyer stuff and the worst coaching experiment we've ever seen in the NFL – to now like this team is a, a has won a playoff game and could potentially win more you know and it's it, if like put it this way if jacksonville's in the nfc they top four team probably i would say i would oof they're de- they're pro i mean they're easily in the playoff picture no question about it not yeah. even close. Top like if seven. they're in the like N- if they're, they're in the NFC South, in a game in the playoffs, I would say yeah. If they're so in the NFC, if they're in the NFC South, switch them in Atlanta, right? And they're in the or hit them in Tampa Bay since they're both in Florida, and they're in the NFC South. Like uh, they're easy. I mean, they're the favorites to win the AFC South, but they're easily the favorites to win the NFC South, and they're probably likely to win double digit games comfortably. Um, I don't know what their over under win total is right now. Scotty usually is the one who has all that up. If you want to pull that, if we want to yeah, get Zach me, Parker on that, because I am curious um, because with this schedule, looking at it, I mean, again, you get Indy and Houston twice, Atlanta, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, um, Cle- I mean, the AFC North is a tough draw, but then they get Tampa Bay, they get Carolina. So like they play the worst division in the NFC and then they have a tough draw with the teams that they're playing in the AFC. So that kind of balances stuff out. I feel like this is close to a double digit win team. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Like you said, they got to nine wins last year. Um, this is uh, these are some odds by, it might, it might be a different source who knows, but they have Caesars bet FanDuel bet MGM. We'll go FanDuel here, but um, over under nine and a half. So yeah, right there. And, and a lot of money's on the over. A lot of money's on the over. It's minus 150 almost. So uh wow. I, I would be I would honestly be in line with that. Caesars has changed it to over 10. Uh, and that's plus odds. But I would say, I would say at least double digit wins. Yeah. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with eleven looking at their schedule. Cause you're right, they actually get some for a number one like uh spot in the AFC, they have some favorable games actually with I think the divisions they're playing, the crossover. So um yeah, I'm I'm going over that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I Another I feel like for me. I feel like if you just look at the games that they probably should win, that gets you to about eight wins already. Yeah, and then you factor in some of the other, like all right, like could they steal one from Kansas City? Not likely. Could they steal one from San Francisco? Pro- like I could see that. Yeah. Could they steal one from Cincy or Baltimore? Like I think all of that's very possible. I'm taking the over. I think they. Ha- I think they finish at ten and seven. I'm going to go right there at, at 10 and seven as well. I, I, cause I do think though, they have some, some tough ones. I, and I'm high in some of these teams like Tampa Bay. I think it's actually going to be solid. They play each other. There's Ooh. some other ones that are going to be tough, but yeah. Well, we'll get to them in uh, on the other half of the pot. All right, let's go to the other team that we have uh, 
I don't say that we actually have respect for <laughs> because like we respect all these teams. It's the NFL. It's fucking hard. Um, but you know, Indian and Houston are, are just in different phases of, uh, of their organizations right now. The Tennessee Titans, um, Last year was disappointing year, seven and ten. Uh, I believe, if I recall correctly, they actually started off okay. Um, they had a couple of like weird. Lo- they lost that game like week two to, to the Giants on a last second field goal. It was week one or week two, they're like, "How the hell did they lose that game?" Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, who knows? Uh, they bring back Ryan Tannehill, probably the last run for Tannehill. I mean, you would hope they've spent draft capital. Uh, second and third round picks on quarterbacks the last two years and Malik Willis and Will Levis. So I would hope that this is the last year of Tannehill in Tennessee. I think it's the last year of his contract as well. Uh, But knowing Vrabel, like Vrabel is not about like rebuilding. He's about trying to reload with the core that they have intact. Now there are some concerns uh, on this team, particularly on the offensive line. Uh, they're starting Andre Dillard at left tackle, which uh, for any Eagles fans who we know you're out there who listen to this podcast, we know Andre Dillard very well. He is a uh, former first round pick, had all the size. He had an injury early on in his career. Um, never really developed to more than like a decent backup, but we never really needed him as a backup because Malata was stayed healthy for as long as he did. And when he did get banged up in games, Dillard came in and did fine. But I'll say this, if you're an offensive lineman with a lot of talent, which Andre Dillard had plenty of talent coming out of Washington State, and Jeff Stoutland, who is the best assistant coach, positional coach for sure, but overall non-coordinator coach in the league, in my opinion, uh, if Jeff Stoutland can't turn you into something, the likelihood of you becoming a really high-quality starter in the NFL is, is not high. So right off the bat, you have your concerns. Uh, they have their first round pick from this year, Peter Skronsky, uh, who was a left tackle. He's sliding down, starting at left guard. So you have uh, limited starting reps at left tackle, rookie at left guard, and uh, their starting right tackle is also suspended for the first four games of the year. So this offensive line has a lot of holes in it. The good news is you have Derrick Henry still, who is, as we know, one of the best running backs and one of the most fun players to watch in the league. You have an experienced and still pretty athletic quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, uh, though we know kind of where Tannehill's season uh, ceiling is at. Mm-hmm. And you actually have a somewhat decent wide receiver room this year, right? You go out and you sign DeAndre Hopkins, who knows how much, you know, I mean, look, when he played last year, he was still yeah. really good. Yeah, I'm very you know? high on him still, for sure. And And with the suspension last year, he didn't play the full season and – then the stuff with Kyler happens, and that team was just a mess. So you expect DeAndre Hopkins to come in fresh. You have second-year wide receiver Traylon Burks, who was one of my favorite players coming out of the draft, him out of Arkansas. Uh, you know, they were everyone was calling him mini A.J. Brown, and he was going to come in and replace A.J. Brown. It's like, bro, like, God, can you <laughs> – can't believe yeah. they gave up fucking A.J. Brown. But – it is important. Like, let's take a note. Like, let's think about what did Tennessee look like when they had A.J. Brown? When they had A.J. Brown, who at the time was not even as good as he was last year with the Eagles, but still a really, really good player, this offense looked a lot different, right? Because you had some sort of threat in the in the passing game. It wasn't just, you know, a one-off a one rookie 
which is what it was last year. And then like Nick Westbrook, Akine, who who's a nice player. He's going to be the number three wide receiver. Now you have an established stud in DeAndre Hopkins, who might be near the, near the tail end of his career. You have a second year player in Traylon Burks who showed some flashes, had some injury issues last year. Uh, and then you have a, a reliable third guy in Nick Westbrook Akina. So you at least have a solid starting group at the wide receiver position. And when we've seen that out of these Mike Vrabel offenses uh, with Derrick Henry and the threat that he obviously brings, this offense looks a lot better. I don't know how much they'll be able to overcome a bad offensive line. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Skronsky ends up being a, a stud immediately as a rookie not high chances of that happening, but it's very, it's possible. Maybe Andre Dillard takes what he learned under Jeff Stoutland and ends up becoming a really solid left tackle for them. Very possible. He has the talent for it. Uh, and maybe this offense comes back to what it looked like a couple of years ago when they were the number one seed in the AFC. They could, but to your point, I'm not betting on that offensive line. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be fun with the, with getting Hopkins in there. I think him and Burks, like this is probably the most, talented wide receiver duo they've ever had for, in in Tennessee. Um, definitely, definitely in the Tannehill era. Yeah. Cause I would say like when they had Julio and AJ Brown, Julio was not Julio. You no, know what I mean, that was not great call by the way. I forgot Julio played for them. For yeah. That, that but, hot but like Hopkins is at a way higher level when he he's there. So I'm yeah. loving that, but I do think, uh, you know, Derek Henry is going to have to make that offensive line really good. And I think he has over a couple seasons. Um, that's going to be the key for them. And they're going to need to play Mike Vrabel ball, good defense, hit the play action have Hopkins over the top. Uh, it's going to be really fun to see, but I'm uh, this is one of the teams for some reason, I'm just the least interested in. I think they're going to go around 500. I don't think they're going to be much to say at the end of the year. And I just don't see them going back to your point, that form of being number one. Now that's, that's just me. Um, I don't know, man. There's just something about like having Derrick Henry and how great he's been in later months. And they always have a great run in the playoffs. And then they always just, we've seen it when they do make it right. Tannehill has some mess ups and a ba one bad game by him and they're out. I'm really excited to see what happens with the quarterback position this year. This could be one where like, like I, let me ask you this. Do you think Tannehill will start the entire season? No. I don't. I, I think I think it's more likely that this team is in a similar spot to where they were last year, where they're like, you know, five and eight, five and nine come November, than they are going to be, you know, closing in on double digits competing for the division. Um, that being said, like and, and this is this is a credit to Mike Tomlin, of all things like Mike Tomlin. We always talk about that 500 and better. Right. Never had a losing yeah. season stuff. We we revere. Mike Vrabel in the, in the football world as an excellent head coach. And he always gets the most out of his teams. They were three games below 500 last year, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. So like, and, and, and for that team and how bad they were and with the injuries and stuff, that was really impressive. Like that was a very difficult thing for them to do. Um, and they, and they did it and they looked really good doing it too. Right. I, well, I shouldn't say really good. They looked good enough to be competitive. When they played really good teams, they got the shit kicked out of them. You know, like when they played the Eagles. So I do think, didn't they have like a one possession game against the Chiefs last year? It like came down to the wire. Um, that seemed like, again, like out of nowhere, like classic Vrabel getting the most out of his, his guys. 
and I think the team is more talented than it was last year, at least offensively. The offensive line, like you said, is not great. And and look, there's a chance it could be better. At least you, you know you're going to have Derrick Henry behind you, which will be helpful. The defense, I, I actually think it should be pretty solid. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons and Nico Autry are I mean, Jeffrey Simmons has become one of the best defensive linemen in football. Dinico Autry is is not too far behind him. Young dude who's turned into a stud last year. Really good in run defense. Really good in that three technique interior defensive lineman. You can also slide him outside a little bit if you need to. Um, and then Kevin Byard, who two years in a row rumored about wanting to leave uh, Tennessee, still there with the Titans. The secondary is where they had their 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 biggest issues last year. And I don't see that changing Christian Fulton. He, this is what I think like team number two or three, or was he the kid? He actually, yeah, no, because the kid from Virginia tech, they drafted in the first round a couple of years ago, Caleb Farley uh, or fairly still hasn't really got a chance to play. And they took a risk on him with his back injury history at Virginia tech. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, so I am worried about what the secondary is going to look like. And again, in the AFC, you have to be able to either rush the passer at an elite level, which this team has the pieces to do, but you at least need a decent secondary, and they really haven't improved, improved or grown much in that area of their defense. I think it's more than likely that we see another seven and ten season out of out of Tennessee than it is a ten and seven season. Yeah, so that over under is at seven and a half, and I'm with you. I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go under. I'm gonna go at seven. Uh, or six, even for me, I'm going to go at six. Um, I don't know why I usually like this team. I just, when I'm looking at their schedule, like I am actually more worried about Indy in a lot of ways than I am about them. Um, and I don't know why I think maybe more volatility at the quarterback spot in, in terms of highs and lows, but I, I just don't think that much of this offense, even though they added Hopkins, it's going to open up a lot. I don't think it's enough to really take them over the edge. I, I think they have two of the, it's crazy. They have two of the best players, right? Like at their respective positions in Hopkins and, and uh, Henry, but they don't have someone to really get them the ball and at an elite level. And yeah. uh, like, it's just crazy. Cause I, I, what I think, and this is so a little wild, but what do you think if, and we can play the what if game all day, I get it. But if they had Hopkins before this off season, is that a place like Rogers considers? And does that change the entire out? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I know. Like, it's just one of those teams where, man, like if they just had one of those guys, uh, even Derek Carr, like I think would have been a great addition there. We're going to see <laughs> at, at that goes, point. But I don't know. I mean, at that point, like I, I, I'd, I'd rather just keep and roll with Tannehill than bring in Derek Carr. The Rogers one is interesting because they were one of the teams and, and same thing when, when Brady was around, like they were always whispered with Rogers and with Brady as teams that were always interested. Um, Cause you always want to, if you can upgrade to someone who's going to be a, a hall of famer, like first ballot hall of famer, yeah. like Brady or Rogers, like even if that's the end of the career, like we know that pretty much every team in the NFL who isn't solid at that position was going to be making those phone calls. Um, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think it's more likely that they hit the under, but I just, I don't see Vrabel having back-to-back bad seasons. Um, they, they are definitely hurt with the fact that they have to play AFC North. They're playing a second place schedule, right? So they, they, they have some tough games, but you get 
two games against Jacksonville. You get the Chargers on the schedule, which is not a, a, a pushover win in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and we'll see what that offense looks like. They do have the benefit of playing um, the NFC. Or actually, they're because they're playing Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta, Carolina. They start the seasons with uh, with New Orleans uh, and then Tampa Bay. So um, they they at least have that going for them. But the likelihood that they win all three of those games, like I could see them losing week one to New Orleans, no question. You know, like I don't think New Orleans yeah. is going to be a great team, but I think with Derek Carr and some of the guys they have on defense and stuff, like I think New Orleans is going to be a tough win. I think they're just always going to be a tough win. Um, it's, it's below seven feels like you said. You said it's seven and a half, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like seven wins, and and this is why Vegas is Vegas. It, you know, it seems like it's on the dot. They have a couple tough games at the end there too. They get Miami. They have Seattle. They end the season with uh, Jacksonville, um, but then they have some games that they should win. I, seven feels right. I'll take the under. Um, the one thing I want to see out of Tennessee, because I agree with you, like this is not a team that you get excited to watch. Because they've kind of been pigeonholed for a while, right? They've been pigeonholed with this, like, we have Derrick Henry, so we have to run, you know, like old school single eye back, like run him up the middle, give him chances to make plays. And it kind of limits some of the stuff creatively that they can do. Because it's not like he's Austin Eckler where, you know, you can split him out wide and and do all this pre-snap motion stuff. It's kind of like we have a battering battering ram that you're not going to be able to stop all game. And he's going to make plays and we're going to continually give him the ball coupled with a quarterback who limits what we can do offensively. I think adding some better skill position guys and hopefully a better offensive line, which I'm, I would say, hold your breath Titans fans. That's not likely, but hopefully a better offensive line. There is a little bit of room there for them to get a little more creative. And that's kind of what I want to see because if the offense can be a little more creative get D hop the ball in space, get Traylon Burks into a spot where he can take a big second year jump. And then obviously still use that batting ram with Derrick Henry that they've had for the last couple of years. I think it's very possible that, you know, they're going to be able to take a jump. I just don't know if they're going to do it. Uh, they haven't really been the same offensively since Arthur Smith left. Uh, I think I'm with you seven and a half. I'm taking the under at, and I'm going to take them right at seven and 10. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going six wins. With them. Six wins. Yeah. Which look, I mean, if they go six and 11, they'll be right in the mix if they wanted to try to trade up for a quarterback next year. But you also have a lot of draft capital already invested in two guys from the last yeah, two drafts, which, which is, is going to be. Uh, that's why I think, I think they're, I think we're going to see the rookies play or rookie. I think we'll see Will, uh, Will Levis and maybe Malik Willis, who is, they said is a little head. And again, he's a second year guy, but. I could see them playing, which is why they get some losses towards the end where they usually step up and win. So yeah, we'll see. All right. Let's uh, take these last two teams on here. Um, so I want to approach these, these guys a little different. This is a little more compare and contrast style because neither one of these teams is making the playoffs. Neither one of these teams is, is going to challenge Jacksonville. I don't think um, for the division. I think the only team that really has the pieces to do it is Tennessee uh, and you have two first-year head coaches. I'm very excited to – we'll start there. Which team are you more excited to watch week one? I'm Colts all the way. I actually think they could challenge a wild-card spot. Really? I, I actually – I think they could beat Tennessee this year and get second in the division. I, I'm kind of crazy. And, okay, I think the Lions can have a bounce-back year, and I think 
the Jonathan Taylor thing worries me, but I like their defense. And when if they're healthy, that defense is pretty damn good in the front seven. And I'm just, I guess I'm just preseason dumb, hopeful about Anthony Richardson being so talented and so much fun to watch in the NFL. So that's where I'm at delusional fan here and I'm excited about it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited about that. I, again, I think the line is a big bounce back here. And, um, and so I'm more excited about the Colts. What about you? Um, I'll, I'm probably more excited for the Colts offensively. And I'm more excited about the Texans defensively um, out of the two quarterbacks. Like I, I know the, because they played, I think it was Thursday night. Everyone saw the pick that uh, CJ Stroud threw to, to against the Pats. I think it was um, Jalen Mills, actually, that he threw it against. But before then, like, he was doing it. He had a decent drive. There's going to be some, like, hey, welcome to the NFL moments. Um, And I think in terms of a processor, I think C.J. Stroud's the best quarterback to come out of Ohio State uh, in the last, you know, five, six, seven years, right? Like, since that Urban Meyer, Dwayne, even going back to, like, Cardell Jones in that era, right? Um, was it Braxton Miller? Is that the other one who was the, the quarterback? Played wide receiver and uh, yeah, in the JT NFL. Barrett, like the guy who processed those, processed it at the highest level, like the NFL level, the best is CJ Stroud. So I'm very curious to see because in the past when we've seen guys, whether it was Dwayne Haskins um, or a guy like uh, you know uh, uh, Justin Fields, they were like Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace. Um, like he, he never quite saw the field that well. He had moments, but he was slow processing. And that's because a lot of the, that Ryan day offense, there's just open guys. And, and Dwayne Haskins also played with like one of the best wide receiver rooms in the history of college football. When you look at what those guys have gone on to do yeah. S- same thing with Justin Fields, we see the elite athleticism with Justin Fields. We're not, we, you're not going to see that with CJ Stroud. You are going to see really a good athlete and he's kind of in between Haskins and Justin Fields, in terms of a physical makeup of a player, I think he sees the field better than than either of those guys really did. So I am fascinated to see that that sort of translation. It's inarguable when you see the measurables and the way that a guy like Anthony Richardson moves at his size and strength and speed. It is ridiculous. Um, and I'm very excited to see it. And I think if you're a Colts fan, this is what this would be my pitch to you for this season, right? In the AFC, you're probably – it's a very, very slim chance that you even make a wild card. It's just mm-hmm. there's too many good teams. There's too much depth. You'd have to crazily outperform. But what I will tell you is go back and watch year one with Josh Allen. A giant freak yeah. of nature with a howitzer for an arm who is fast, strong. And, and for the record, Anthony Richardson's taller, stronger, faster – than Josh Allen is, which is saying something because Josh Allen before then is the strongest, fastest, you know, not fastest, but one of the strongest, fast, crazy athlete type guys. I think we're going to see a lot of Anthony Richardson running around with his head, like, like a chicken with his head cut off. Like he, he's it's, it's going to look really bad. And there's going to be a lot of no, 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 no. Oh shit. That was incredible <laughs> type plays. Like there's, there's going to be so much. I'm like, what are you doing? Holy shit. What a throw, right? There's going yeah. to be plays like that from Anthony, Anthony Richardson. And then it's just going to be straight up. Holy shit. That was bad type of plays from Anthony Richardson. 
The one thing I would I would sprinkle in that I think actually helps him compared to like where Josh was was he has Shane Steichen there, and I think what they're going to do with Shane Steichen taking over as head coach, seeing what he did to help develop Jalen Hurts over the last couple of years, he's going to simplify things for Anthony Richardson because we talked about this in in the pre-draft process, right? And I said this guy doesn't know how to play quarterback because he doesn't. He doesn't know how to play quarterback. What he can do is learn very simple things. Does that mean he's going to be able to have the, the, the decision-making skills that like Jalen Hurts does on the read option stuff? No, because there's no one better than that in the NFL than Jalen Hurts. But he has the size and athleticism to make up for it that even Jalen doesn't have. So he will be able to learn. He'll be able to do things. They're going to simplify a lot for him. Um, the offensive line, look, Quentin Nelson, you know, he was like the best offensive lineman in football there for a couple of years, his first two years. I don't think he's quite at that level anymore. I think injuries have taken a toll. It was just crazy because he's still only like 27, 28. He's still a young guy, um, but he's still one of the best guards in football. Ryan Kelly's one of the best centers in football. Uh, and if they can get some improved play at the tackle positions, then that's a big win, right? That's a big win for this organization. I think it's going to be a ton of fun having a backfield where you have Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor standing right next to each other because no one on that defense wants to tackle either one of those guys. Uh, and the Jonathan Taylor thing, it's been a story for the last couple of weeks in camp. He leaves camp report saying he's, he, he came back this week or is planning on coming back this week, uh, which hopefully means that all of that is settled. Colts fans can take a breath, you know, and, and you'll have Jonathan Taylor here, for the season, because that will help Anthony Richardson's development a ton, especially in the running game. If you can do a little one-two action with those two, it frees up stuff in the passing game. So I think if you kind of merge a little bit of like year one, year two, Jalen Hurts with, uh, you know, Josh Allen's size, early Josh Allen, I think that's kind of what we're going to see. It's going to be like, imagine Josh Allen is a rookie running the offense that the Eagles were in the last couple of years, which means there's going to be a lot of fun plays and there's going to be a lot of, holy shit, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen on a football field type plays. Oh yeah. Um, I'm I'm with you. So in your, in your comparison thing, let's talk about who would you rather have CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson for this year, just for this year, who are you more excited about in their own situation? In their own situation, I'm definitely more excited about um, Anthony Richardson. Because I believe that much in Shane Steichen. I, I think Shane Steichen. Yeah. I think Shane Steichen is like the next like McVay type guy that no one's really talking about because everyone's so focused on the Shanahan tree and Steichen came w- with Sirianni from. So you know what I mean. So I feel like he's not getting that kind of like wonderkin like the buzz that like Mike McDaniel got when he got the job in Miami last year, right? I think he deserves that much hype because I, I as a play caller. As a as a like the stories you hear from Eagles guys where like Jason Kelsey got would wake up at 6 a.m. during football season and have texts from Shane Steichen at 3:30 in the morning, being like, Yeah, so so okay, so on this type of play, when we call this, what if you did what if you pulled in between the guard and the tackle instead of the tackle inside down? Like, what if we cut this like super niche, minute things about a singular play that they may not even call in the game that week? Shane Steichen's like hyper-focusing on that. So when you have a guy with that kind of a brain paired with someone as talented as at, at raw, but talented as Anthony Richardson, I mean, it's hard not to think that 
you know, there could be something really special there in the long term. Um, but in terms of like an overall package, Houston should be a better offense this year. Everyone loved Damian Pierce, right? He was the yeah. the, the fantasy rookie last year that stood up. Um, Devin Singletary, really solid number two. The wide receiver room is not great, but they actually get John Mechie back, who is done with his treatment from cancer, which is fucking awesome. Um, Nico Collins, second-year player. Robert Woods, veteran. Noah Brown. Uh, they get Dalton Schultz, who I've given Dalton Schultz plenty of hate on the spot. He's at least a serviceable, solid tight end. You know, like he he got made to look like a, like a top five tight end in that offense for Dallas a couple of years ago. He's not that, but he still could be a very like solid starting top 15 type tight end in the NFL. And their offensive line is significantly better than Indianapolis's across the board. Right. Quentin Nelson's and Larry Tunsil are probably equal at their respective positions. Yeah. But across the board, Shaq Mason, uh, Drew Scruggs, Kenyon Green. I'm excited for Scruggs this year. This is going to be fun to see it. I love yeah. when a, I love when teams have a rookie quarterback and then get a rookie center. I just there's something about that that's like I, I, it's mm-hmm. romantic in football. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the offensive line across the board should be better, and I also think the defense side of the ball. There's way more to be excited about with Houston, in addition to the fact that you have D'Amico Ryan's, who is one of the best defensive minds that we have in the NFL, especially as a head coach, and you've given him plenty of talent here to work with. Uh, I didn't even realize that they, I've forgotten at least that they had signed Denzel Perriman. So you have a veteran middle linebacker, which is huge for in a system, you know, where a guy like D'Amico Ryan's is coming from Fred Warner. Obviously Denzel Perriman is not Fred Warner, but you have a guy who's going to be able to do Christian Kirksey, uh, Christian Harris, really solid linebacker room. Uh, Will Anderson. I've said it time and time again, how much I love him as a defensive end. Uh, and coming out, I think he's going to come in and be an impact player immediately. Uh, I think if, if Will Anderson came out in last year's draft, he would have been the number one overall pick ahead of Trayvon Walker. Uh, he is just that good, and he's going to be a beast in the NFL, and I can't wait. Uh, and then Derek Stingley Jr., like people are looking at Derek Stingley Jr. like not a bust, but like aren't holding him up as like, oh, wow, you drafted this guy third overall last year. Because everyone's talking about how fucking good Sauce Gardner was. And Sauce Gardner had, like, the single greatest rookie season a cornerback has ever had in the NFL. And if that is the bar that we're holding it against, like, yeah, no question, like, Derek Stingley's going to be a bit of a of, – he's – what's the word I'm looking for? Disappointment, maybe. Like a letdown, but, yeah, that's not like – it's to your point – well, first of all, compared to that, yeah, he wasn't great. But I would say even compared to the average rookie, like he did not perform his best by any means and got cooked up a few times. I think that like it also speaks to the defense and having a good defensive like presence in there at the coach spot being like, just, you know, don't overplay, don't jump routes everywhere. Like, don't go crazy. Yeah, that, that's there's also a piece of that as a rookie that you're just going to do more naturally than a vet. It feels like right. So hundred percent. And that's, that's part of like the welcome to the NFL type stuff that again, when you have someone who's such a crazy outlier, like sauce Gardner was last year, of course, Derek Stingley jr. Is going to be underwhelming. You know, maybe that's like kind of the right word. It's like underwhelming, but you're also comparing it to the guy who got drafted at the, in the same draft, both in the top 10. I think Derek Dingley jr. Derek Stingley jr. Is going to be a monster this year. I think he's going to have a really, really good year. Um, I love the kid out of Baylor. They drafted last year too, Jalen Pitter. Uh, he's now solidified as the starting safety. Jimmy Ward's been in the league a long time. Steven Nelson, an, another solid veteran cornerback. They have Shaq Griffin. 
playing him in the slot uh, or Desmond King, either one of those guys. I think top to bottom, this is a really solid defense. And even last year under Lovey Smith, they weren't terrible defensively. There are some metrics that'll tell you, like this team couldn't stop the run worth a damn. Uh, I think they finished last in the NFL in almost every run uh, defensive statistic. That should be improved this year, and I guarantee you it will. So between these two teams, to me at least, the one that I think has a better chance of actually being like high, like competitive and could win like five, six games, could maybe even finish second, I think Houston's in a better spot to do that because I think that defense is more complete. And I like the offensive line better, and both quarterbacks are going to struggle because they're both rookies. I think so too, and I think uh... – your point like whenever you're talking about rookie quarterbacks and potentially Tennessee having a rookie quarterback and then Jacksonville having their franchise quarterback that pretty much sums up the AFC South like <laughs> yeah and and I guess in in this position though and now if you ask the question which team would you rather be moving forward that to me feels like a different question because I think moving forward with coaching staffs everything in place the way that it is think I would rather be Indy. Yeah, I see. I flipped that. I think I'd rather be like for this year. Indy, for this Indy. year. I just mean, I mean, like, for, I know, for yes, the future. Exactly. Like, so for this year, I'd want to be Indy, but for future, I think I'd want to be the Texans. Interesting. Okay. That, that's how I feel about it. I just think that um, I, I don't know. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for this organization. It's the only one I remember in my lifetime being like new. And, right with uh with david carr and like uh andre johnson was a fucking beast out there for so long mm. like there was some great early Mario williams like we talked yeah. about before yeah, yeah I mean. so um no anyway i i just i like them i like i, I just i also really think to be going to be a great coach and i think that has a huge i think both for me well, that's and I do want to clarify that. I'm not saying I think D'Amico Ryan's isn't going to work out or that Houston wouldn't. I think both teams are actually yeah. in very good spots. I, I just I look at Indy's defense. I think the project in Indy is is tougher, right? Because yeah. Jonathan Taylor probably is, and they're going to try to franchise tag him whenever his rookie contract ends. They're going to give him the fifth year rookie, or yeah, or was he? He actually might have been a second round pick, so he may not have the fifth year option. He was a second round pick. Um, so he won't have that second year option or fifth year option. Um, so he's going to hit free agency sooner, which means you're going to have to tag him. That's going to be a whole thing. Michael Pittman Jr., really, really good wide receiver. He's kind of straddling that line between a one, like a one B, like a two A, one B type kind of guy. Um, I think he he'd be better off in a situation where he has a true number one on the other side of the field than him being the pure number one. Um, and my bigger concern really comes on the defensive side of the ball for Indy because, yeah, like you have Shaq Leonard, who when he's healthy is one of the best defensive players in the league. You have DeForest Buckner, right, who has been one of the better, uh, you know, interior pass rushers the NFL over the last couple of years. Their best defensive players are on the way out. And other than like Quiddy Pay, who has been a little underwhelming in his first two years, we'll see if he can kind of take a jump this year. There's not a ton of like exciting talent on that defense that makes you hopeful for the future. Even Quentin Nelson, like Quentin Nelson's in, you know, year number six, I think for him. Um, so they're, they're going to have to fill more holes. I think it's a much tougher job as a GM, but yeah. 
if you hit with your head coach and your quarterback and this guy ends up being what he could project out to be given his talent, I think you have a higher ceiling with Indy, which is why I would rather bet on that head coach and quarterback tandem rather than Houston's. So uh, what are their over-unders, by the way? Let me see. Yeah, why don't we get this up here because okay. so, we want to give the people some over-unders. So we have for the Titans – or no, we have the Titans, I'm sorry. We have for the Colts over under six and a half. Okay. Which is, uh, that's right there. Fucking Vegas, man. Shout out to Vegas. These guys know what the fuck they're up to. They Every always time. do, man. Yeah, right. That's, that's absolutely. Indy's, so, so Indy's six and a half. Indy's six then, and a half. I'm looking for the Texans here. Six and a half as well. Okay. And I was actually going to guess. I was like, I bet you they're both at six and a half. Um, I think he, I think Indy, man, they have, they have a pretty favorable schedule, man. Uh, I mean, they get obviously, you know, you have the games against Houston, which I would expect them to likely split against each other. Um, the uh, you have the Rams, uh, Carolina. You get the whole NFC South, right? Which would be a few wins. I don't know. They got Cincy. Like, then they got to play the AFC North. That's tough. They get Vegas on the schedule. I'm going to take the under on Indy. I think it's, I think that's going to be a really, really tough development project. Um, And I just, I don't think the defense is going to be that good. So I'm going to take the under and this might seem drastic, but I'm going to have them at four and third, sorry, four and 13. Man. Okay. Which one are you doing first? Sorry, Indy. I'm, I'm... Indy, yeah. So, Indy, I'm going to go ahead and do under, and I'm going to have at five wins. Okay. Uh, then I'll just flip it right to the Texans. I'm going to have under at three. I'm going to say they – I'll go them four. I'll go them four. But I think you're right. Both schedules I'm actually worried about. It just – the fact that they have to play all four of the AFC North, they do get the NFC South, which helps them. Yeah, but – but then you get Jacksonville twice. I mean, you'd expect those to be losses. Um, man, yeah, they just drew a really tough because I don't think but I don't think both of these teams are gonna sweep the NFC South. But I think no. there's a very good chance that both of these teams lose all four to the AFC North. <laughs> um, Denver, I mean, who knows what Denver's gonna be? They have to play the Jets. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take the under for them as well. I, I think. <laughs> I, I might I might take them at four and thirteen as well. I think there's a chance they both of these teams are four and thirteen, and then whatever their head-to-head record is what splits it. So, all right, that is the a, uh, AFC South. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we will hit the NFC South on the other side and get you guys on the way to the rest of your week. All right, NFC South time. I would say hands down, probably the worst division in the NFL right now. Um, I think it's even safer to say there's not really even like an outside chance that one of these teams makes the Super Bowl, uh, which there aren't many divisions I'd I'd say you can say that about. Um, I think for the most part, pretty much every – you could maybe say the AFC South, but like, I don't know, there's a a world where like, you know, Mahomes gets hurt or something and, you know, Jacksonville goes on a tear and, and Trevor Lawrence takes another jump, right? So there's not even like a team in this division where you can really say like confidently 
like this team's going to be, you know, it, it could be in the mix. Um, but what we do know is at least one of these four teams will be in the postseason, uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> uh, I would say more likely for worse. Um, but we'll see. And and we were talking about it because usually when we pick the order of how we go through these, it's like best team or if it's kind of close, like what's the most interesting team kind of heading into this season. Um, and for this one, I, I said to you, I was like, I really don't know. Like, I, I don't really know what direction to go in here. And you said Tampa Bay. Easy. <laughs> I, I want to talk about Tampa Bay. And I said, you're out of your fucking mind. They're going to be the worst team in this division. And you said, no, no, dude, I believe in this offense. I believe in Baker Mayfield. You went on to place a wager when you saw yep. what their over under is at. So yep. I thought it, instead of us picking an order, we just try to make the case and then we'll dive into a team. So you, you want to go with Tampa Bay, make the case. You tell me why we, why Tampa Bay should be the team that we we're talking about here for the NFC South. Oh, dude, I mean, okay. This is actually not too bad. Great left tackle. Um, I, I really like Tristan Wirfs. Tristan Wirfs. Wirfs, right? Okay. Yep. Make sure. It's been a while since we said that name on the pod. But they still have Evans and Godwin, right? They have Gage, but I, I still think with those two guys, you have a setup there. Baker was on, what, two different teams last year? Remember when, like, I think the Carolina whole spot, right? You have a coach who wasn't great, got fired. Um you end up, uh, you know, especially a defensive coach, you end up then going to an offensive coach and having what a couple days, not even to prep for a game when you play with the Rams and one um, he still is talented. He's a number one overall pick for a reason can make all the throws. Um, and I think it's being in the right situation. And I, what I really like about this is you have, again, some decent pieces on the offensive line. You have Jensen back at center. Uh, and then you have those wide receivers, the defense too. You still have pieces. You have Vita Vea, you have Levante David, you know what I mean? You, you have Ryan Neal at safety. Like there are guys all over um, that can still make plays on this defense as well, which helps a lot. I love, I mean, I'm, I'm a Broncos guy, so I still love uh, Shaquille Barrett. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think when you look at this defense, they have guys in the spots you need. You have the stud in the center an edge rusher. The defense should be solid. It's like, can Baker make this offense go? And I believe he can. I think that this offense for the first time in the NFL, like suits him better than ever in terms of his skill set. So I don't know for me, like I'm really excited about him throwing the deep outside balls. Like he was great at those. And uh, Evans is one of the, you know, elite deep field catchers. Uh, Even, even though he's like lost a step, you could say he's still first of all, really fast. And second of all, can jump through a roof and is tall. So I'm excited to see what this offense is. You may call me bias. I think it's going to happen. And uh, I think they're well, like, first of all, so, so people know their over under was what? Six and a half, six like, and a half to me. I think that's insane. And Jeff was like, yeah, sounds about right. Like you, you were not phased by that number. And I know we just, I was just complimenting Vegas, but I think they got it wrong and I'm excited to, to reap the rewards. Yeah. Um. All right. You make a compelling case. You do. Honestly, you do. In my head, before I kind of dove in, I'll say this. I I felt as if the defense, um, the defense had taken a, a step back. Um, that's not necessarily the case. Obviously, the offense with no more Tom Brady, it feels like it could be anything. Um, they fire Byron Lefwich which 
is a huge part of this because yeah. after the 2022, after the 2021 season, Leftwich was interviewing for head coaching opportunities all over the place, right? Uh, you know, they were coming off another really, really good run uh, in the postseason. Byron Leftwich, offensive coordinator, Bruce Arians steps down. They promote, uh, you know, Todd Bowles to step up and be the head coach. I think part of the problem with this team falls on um, Todd Bowles. I, I do. I think he did a really, really bad job coaching this team last year. I think that's a big reason why they underestimated. They were a disappointment in terms of, hey, this is Brady's last year potentially. And with some of the guys that they had, I know they had the injury issue with Ryan Jensen during training camp last year. So he didn't really come back until almost the postseason, um, which is objectively a bad loss. Like I get it. And especially for someone like Ryan Jensen, who's one of the best centers in football, um, Tristan Wirfs in and out of the lineup with injury, the offensive line was banged up. There's only so much Brady can do. And Brady also for the first time in his career, career looked like he was, you know, declining a little bit. Um, I want to know what this team does differently. Obviously, outside of the fact that you have a different quarterback under center, I want to know how this team operates differently. They bring in a new offensive coordinator, Dave Canales. Um, He was the quarterback's coach for Seattle last year with Geno kind of helping design that passing offense. So uh, if you set up an offense like that, he's got a history of kind of resurrect helping resurrect right quarterbacks journey not journeyman but former first round pick quarterbacks who've maybe bounced around a few teams and have played backup like we've seen out of baker mayfield um or a young quarterback like kyle trask who they drafted out of florida a couple years ago and we still haven't really had a chance to see uh how he developed um fun side note i i did some digging around when um i was looking up you know the current staff and stuff for tampa bay Byron Leftwich still is not coaching anywhere, hmm. which is kind of crazy Maybe to go from a being year off. But yeah, yeah. That's, that is wild, um, especially to, to take a year off and not do like TV or anything, which he could do. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, um, I, I was looking around a lot. I can't find him anywhere. Um, so I guess as of right now, I mean, he, I could definitely see him mid-season getting signed on as like a an analyst somewhere and then potentially you know taking a head coaching job or not a, a coordinator job somewhere next off season because i really don't believe um i really don't believe that he's just all of a sudden a bad offensive coordinator just because of the one bad season like i, I, I still think he's really good but i want to see how todd bowles adjusts this year because defensively they i love the kid out of pit that they drafted kalaja Kansi. Um, they still have Vita Veda. You're right. Um, Joe Tyron, Logan Hall. They still have a good defensive line. That linebacking room, who was a core piece of their Super Bowl win in the uh, 2020 season, they're getting a little long in the tooth at this point in their career. All right. Um, Devin White, not so much, but Levante David, Shaq Barrett, both of those guys definitely on the decline, um, but still very, very serviceable, solid players. Antoine Winfield Jr. has been one of my favorite players in the NFL. Uh, the the loss, I forget who the cornerback was because he went, I think, to play for the Jets last year. Um, their cornerback that they had when they won the Super Bowl left, and then they, they still have Carlton Davis, who uh, really solid on one side of the ball. Uh, Jamel Dean, honestly, can't say I know a ton about him, so I, I don't want to comment too much on it. They have enough pieces for this defense to be solid. 
And I would say the if there's one takeaway from the NFC South is that there's going to be some fun defenses here. Uh, I think Carolina's defense is going to be really, really good this year. And I'm very curious to see the kind of jump that they make. But all this comes down to the quarterback, right? If this yeah. team's going to get to seven wins, do I think Baker's good enough to get you seven wins? I think we've seen that, yes. But do I think it's going to happen with this team and this roster? I don't really know what kind of offense they're going to run. If they're going to spread it out like how they did in Seattle with Geno last year, I, I look, I expect Chris Godwin to be better a full year removed from the ACL and playing last year and kind of getting his legs under him by the end of the season. I expect him to be better. Obviously, Mike Evans, touchdown machine. He's always just going to be consistently good. That's what he does. The running back room for them, I don't know how much how much you've looked at it. It's rough. Uh, Rashad White, Chase Edmonds, Keyshawn Vaughn, not a ton of talent in that running back room. And that concerns me because it feels like a lot of this offense is going to be put on the shoulders of whoever is throwing passes, whether that's Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. And if Baker is just bad, Right. Let's just say Baker's bad. And then we know Baker. We know he's going to have a couple games where he gets hot and he looks really, really good. But what has where has Baker Mayfield thrived when he's played well in the NFL? Right. The, the season in Cleveland under Kevin Stefanski, when they had the best offensive line in football, they had two stud running backs and they had a solid group of wide receivers. That is when we saw Baker Mayfield play his best football. This team will not have a consistent running game unless Rashad White, who is kind of like a sneaky dark horse uh, fantasy pick because he's probably going to get a lot of value or a lot of volume. Um, Like, you're not going to have a consistent run game. You're going to have a solid offensive line. Uh, They're a little weak outside of Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen. but And then, yeah, you have a solid wide receiver room, but without that basic running game where he can run play action, he can run bootlegs off of it, you can get him in space where Baker really kind of operates his best. I have a hard time believing he's going to be able to sit back and sling the ball. Cause like say what you will about Geno Smith, Geno Smith has always had size. He's always had a rocket arm and he's always been able to make every type of throw. You haven't always been able to say that about Baker. He's always been like a guy who wins football games, a guy who makes plays, but I don't think you can trust Baker Mayfield. Like there were games last year where Geno threw the ball like 40 times. If Tampa Bay's relying on Baker Mayfield to throw the ball 40 times to win games. I just don't see a jump big enough for them to be able to get past like seven wins max. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I just disagree. Right. I think we're just on two different sides of the coin here, but I think that's what's going to be awesome about this year is that we have a couple of these storylines in this division specifically that are like rookie or comeback player of the year nominees, you could say, right. That we're going to get into uh, even at the, just the quarterback position. Um, it's going to be really, really uh, interesting because we know that out of these um, at least three quarterbacks that are, are going to, um, you know, start here for in the division that are newer. I really don't know like which one of these are going to be the good stories and which ones of these are going to be the bad. Cause we're not getting all outstanding. Great you know, first years out of Derek Carr in New Orleans, uh, you know, him and down in Tampa. And-, well, think, and think about that, like four out of the four, out of, all four teams, I almost said four out of four, all four teams in this Atlanta. division have a different starting quarterback week one this year than they did last year. Yeah. Cause last year Atlanta had Mariota for the majority of the season and, and um, 
what's his face out of uh, Cincinnati? Why am I blanking? Uh, Desmond Ritter only played yeah. the last three games of the season last year. So uh, basically all four teams have new starting, starting quarterbacks than they did a year ago. And, and for the majority of the season, the only like returning starter is Desmond Ritter. And he only played three games. Yeah. Which is so it's, your or point, four, like, three or four games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it really does. It's a whole new makeover for this division. Uh, the defense I think will be good enough to keep them in games. Todd Bowles always has good defenses. Um, their defensive line is going to be a problem, continue to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, that linebacker room still will be able to make plays when they get the chance and the secondary should still be decent. Um, I just, I have no idea what to expect out of this offense because the wide receiver room looks solid. You're solid on two out of the three. You're, you're really good at two out of the five starting offensive linemen. Uh, and then the, that quarterback position, man, like it, look, if you're getting like Baker against the Broncos last year, like when he was with the Rams and just lit up the Broncos for 45 points or whatever it was, then I think that's a different story. Right. But I think that's kind of been the trademark of Baker's career. Like when things are working, when he has a reliable running game, he's got a good defense, a good offensive line. He can be really, really good. Or, you know, there's, then he has those flash games where it's really good. It's the consistency. And yeah, I don't know if we're going to see that. If he drops back and is throwing the ball 40 times, I think he needs a running so uh, I'm on the over for sure. Where, where are you at? Six and a half. Yeah. I think six wins feels about right. I think it's like to, add, to, to, to go off the question that you talked about, right? Like, do you think it's m- more likely that Baker starts every game that he's healthy for or that throughout the season or that Kyle Trask ends up starting a few games over Baker at some I think point? Baker, I think Baker has it if he's healthy. I think I think the only way he'll get pulled is if he gets injured. You know, what I mean, he's out. That's the only way that Trask gets on the field, in my opinion. Yeah, but I've also I was never high on Trask. That's all. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do not think much of. I, I don't think that he's going to overtake someone as, that has Baker's experience and talent because he's yeah. played a lot of football games. You know what I mean? That that counts yeah. for a lot. It it does. You know, but you know he was bad in in Carolina last year. Mm-hmm. Um which was not a too dissimilar setup. The wide receiver talent wasn't as good, but at least he had DJ Moore and stuff there. And the defense was solid, but less experienced. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they play this division. They play uh, the NFC North. So they get Minnesota, uh, Green Bay. They get Detroit. They get uh, – and uh, who's the other one I'm missing? Chicago. Um, so there's wins there. You know, but they also have to play. They're, they're playing a first place schedule this year too, so they get Buffalo. Right. They get uh, they have to go to Tennessee, which could be a tough game, depending on right because you know it's at least going to be tough. Um, they have to play Philly, which is going to be a tough one. So I, I, I don't see a ton of wins on this schedule. They do at least have the AFC South. I think six wins is dead on. I'm going to take them at six and eleven. I'm going to take the under. And you're and you're hammering the over. What do you have oh, them as yeah. their record? I got I have them nine wins. Wow. Yeah, I, I was thinking eight and have them be an eight eight win division winner, which I do think uh, could happen here soon. You know what? Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna say eight wins, but they win the division. This is gonna be okay. fun. So eight and nine, and they win the division. Eight and yeah. nine, and they're they have a home playoff game. <laughs> This is going to be a one that's really fun that like when Baker gets benched like week four, I'm, yeah, like after, cause uh, yeah. they have, they have an early buy <laughs> week five is their bye week. And I just go, like, Hey Vito, remember when you said that they were going to win nine games this year or eight wins this year? Oh man. 
If he gets uh, cold in week five, I'll I'll have the under. Let's put there it, you go. There you go. There, right? there you go. All it's right. Then you, then you'll then you'll switch. Uh, but hey, you're rolling with your guy. I uh, yep. appreciate that. All right. So Tampa Bay is off the board. I'm going to say that I think the most interesting team uh, that I'm excited to watch in this year's uh, for this this team this year is the Carolina Panthers. Um, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. And look, part of it is they have the number one overall pick who looked pretty solid in their uh, first. He only played, I think, only one, maybe two drives before they pulled him. Um, the biggest concern I have with Carolina is like, I don't love the Frank Reich hire, but I think as we said, when that hire happened, I, I think Frank Reich has been pegged as like a bad head coach. And I think you have to look at everything that he had to go through, you know, uh, in Indy and, and having a different starting quarterback and signing there thinking he was going to have Andrew Luck turning yeah. into Brissett and Rivers and Wentz and, and everything else that kind of came with that. Um, that front office and Matt Rule, when they were there, they loaded up on defensive talent, right? So they went all in on building up that defense. Uh, and this is kind of that time when those guys are about to kind of start to show out, right? Like this is the Derek Brown year four Time to break out as an interior defensive lineman. Obviously, Brian Burns is one of the best pass rushers in the league. Jack Thompson's a stud. They just brought in Justin Houston as a veteran recently. They go out and sign Von Bell in free agency from Cincinnati, who's a really good player. J.C. Horn uh, going into his third year, second or third year. He was the the Pat Sertan draft. So I guess it's uh, year number three for him. Yeah, this is his three. This is year three Um, for him. And, and when he's been healthy, he's been really good. Xavier Woods, I love this team, this team, Shy Tuttle, really good three technique, nose tackle type guy. Uh, they have some depth. Uh, Deion Jones as another guy that can rotate in as a, a, as a pass rusher guy later in his career, but can still give you good snaps. I think this defense is going to be really solid. Um, they have veteran presence. They have young talent. They have pro bowlers on this defense. I, I just think straight up this defense is going to be good. Like, I don't even think it's like a, like a, oh, if this happens, they'll be, I just think they're going to be good. I, I think they could be a top 10 defense pretty easily. And I would actually kind of project them to be a top 10 defense. So that alone makes me very interested in this team. Um, on top of that too, you look at the offense, right? They draft Iki Aquanu, top 10 pick in the 2022 draft left tackle struggled, got better as the season went on last year, expect him with his size, talent, all that stuff. If they continue to develop him, he will be better in year number three or year number two for him than he was his rookie season. Uh, Same deal with Brady Christensen, right? Young guy in the left side. I think they have a potential tag team at the left side of the offensive line that is going to be really solid this year. I don't think it's going to be unbelievable. I don't think it's going to break people's brains, but I do think they're going to be solid and that's what you need with a young small quarterback like Bryce Young you need to give him time and I think they've done that there Bradley Bozeman one of the better uh, centers in the NFL Austin Corbett a little banged up right now if he's ready for the regular season should be good at right guard and then Taylor Moten who has been a a, a veteran right tackle he's going to give you solid play he's not a pro bowler he's not an all pro guy but he's a solid right tackle this offensive line is solid right wide receiver room uh, they also have they have, uh, brought in Hayden Hurst, right? Another yeah. reliable, solid tight end. Nothing, nothing flashy, but he's going to catch the ball. He's going to allow for some wrinkles in the offense. 
And I, I kind of like their wide receiver room. Like it's, it's a lot, it's misfits, right? It feels like the Island of misfit toys, their, their wide receiver room, right? It's like Adam Thielen at this stage of his career, who wants Adam Thielen? Uh, you know what? We got a rookie quarterback. You need some sure hands, a guy who's going to be able to catch passes for you. Good in the red zone. We'll take Adam Thielen. DJ Shark. Oh, he had that big season in Jacksonville. Kind of disappeared for a little bit. A little banged up in Detroit. They have too many wide receivers. Oh, we'll take him off your hands. They draft a second round guy, early second round pick, wide, rookie wide receiver out of Ole Miss, Jonathan Mingo. Absolute burner. So now you have a deep threat. And uh, they go out and sign Miles Sanders, who's a proven veteran in the running game. Chuba Hubbard is his backup. They have a nice, solid uh, running back room. Andy Dalton, great backup quarterback to have under a young quarterback, someone who's going to kind of help develop him, get him set, uh, and, and learn this offense. And I really like Bryce Young. If he gets the ball out quick, he can use his athleticism. He sees the field. He's got that soft, feathery touch on the – the short to intermediate throws. He's going to throw guys open. We know he's got a strong arm when he wants to bomb it deep too. Um, I just think there's a lot to like. It's a young football team with good pieces, a defense that's going to keep them in games. And you have a good play calling head coach, someone who is getting a fresh start, a second opportunity to be great. We've seen coaches in the past struggle at one place and get a second opportunity and be a lot better. You know, look at Pete Carroll, look at some of these guys like, no one ever thought Pete Carroll was going to be a great head coach in the NFL after what happened in New England. Obviously, he goes off to do what he does at, at USC, but it took him some time. A guy who kind of gets it. I think Frank Reich falls into that category. I, I'm just, I'm optimistic. I think this team could could surprise people with how, in how close they are in games consistently. So. I'm uh, I, I heard this interview. It was actually earlier today. It was on the Pat McAfee show. Um, I'm off all week. So I've, it's <laughs> been great. I'm just sitting here on Monday um, and watch the Pat McAfee show as we're recording this. Obviously this is Tuesday on the pod, but um, on Monday's interview, it was with Adam Thielen and they asked him, first of all, uh, he's clocking in this off season at still running routes over 20 miles an hour, which wow. is insane for a guy who's about to turn 33. He's 30, 32. He um, also was talking about Bryce Young and he was like, dude, this guy's processing stuff. He's like so quick. He said it was like the seventh day of camp and he's he's like making different pass block protections. And they're like, no, just like that's not part of this drill, basically. Like, you know what I mean? Just run yeah. what we're telling you. And he's like, well, no, we need to slide this guy over. And they were like, oh, my God, he he's getting it really fast. So like we understand if you can make the reads and everything. But he's like coming in, knowing all that. He put in so much time on his own. They said you could tell. Um and, and for, again, a vet like like Thielen, who's played with a guy like Kirk Cousins, who's like a professional's professional, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a great praise. And so I'm it really is. high on what's going on in the building, which I think the first thing you got to look at when it's a bunch of like, you know, younger players, are, are not even younger, but brought in players. To your point, what, four of these, five of their... Yeah, no, GJ uh, Chark, right, is the only guy that was on the team last year? or what? No. No, he wasn't even there. So they no, have Terrace, Terrace Marshall and yeah. all five skill positions are new. So whatever's going on in that room is new. It's new energy. And you have a chance for right, that to be really good or really negative. And it sounds like it's a really good new energy. Uh, and if they have that chip on their shoulder, right, they all came from somewhere else, us against the world. Miles Sanders is great, right? If he gets full-time carries like, like uh, at a whole different level, they're going to have a great running game and a great passing game to go off of it to really compliment the rookie. 
And to your point, the defense, they have the talent back there. They've been drafting, you know, a lot on the defensive side for the last couple of years. Uh, this could be a surprisingly, surprisingly good team. Yeah. Um, I, I still think that the interior offensive line, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but hopefully they made some strides up there. That's what I'm most worried about is just, you still have a rookie quarterback. So for sure. Hopefully. And, and that's why there's going to be Hills and it's, frustrating again because seven and a half wins is their over under i have them exactly at seven wins you know uh based based off their schedule and and this is where you kind of got to take those leaps of faith because vegas is much better at this than we are you know and and we have to kind of almost like take the take the risk right make the bet do you think that this team's going to exceed expectations when's the last time there was a rookie quarterback who had eight wins in his rookie season as, as the full-time starter, it doesn't happen very often. Um, you have to also factor in that, like, look, six of their games are against teams that are all very, very beatable in their own division. You don't expect them to go six and zero, but Hey, could they go four and two? I think they absolutely could. Um, they have a couple of tough stretches, Seattle, Minnesota, Detroit, Miami before the bye week uh, And I could see them being like two and four, you know, at that point going into their bye week after that, you get, Houston, you get Indianapolis, you get Chicago, you get, uh, they have to play Dallas, Tennessee is one of them. And then they kind of close out with a bunch of winnable games. I mean, outside of Jacksonville in their final stretch, it's like after they play Dallas, it's Tennessee, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Atlanta, Green Bay, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay. I, I think they're all winnable games and who knows what Bryce Young is going to look like at that point. I think the concern comes to is what happens if Bryce Young and he got crushed uh, in his first preseason game. I don't know if you saw that rep, um, but he made the right yeah. call. He got the ball out, took the hit and did everything the right way. But it was one of those eye popping moments when it was like, that kind of looks like when Johnny Knoxville got smashed by Jared Allen in that, in whatever jackass movie it was, you know, just like so much smaller and more frail of a person comparative to like a defensive end who was coming in full speed. Mm-hmm. Um so that is a concern, but look, he, he got tackled by plenty of huge dudes in college. If he can stay upright, I don't think eight wins is that crazy. I'm going to keep them at seven. I'm going to take the under just because I think it's more likely that they, they, they get somewhere between five to seven wins than they get to eight just because of all the different variables, but I'm very bullish on Carolina. And, you know, look, if, if, if Sam Darnold doesn't, you know, shit the bed in that last you know game against Tampa Bay, Carolina could have been the ones hosting that playoff game against Dallas last year and not Tampa Bay. So it's not like this team is that far away and they haven't lost a lot of the core pieces from that team. They just have hopefully a more talented quarterback. So uh, I'm going to take the under, I have them exactly at seven wins, um, but I'm excited for Carolina. I think Carolina is going to be a, a, a sneaky under the radar team. That's going to, that's going to be tough to play. I have them at seven wins as well. And I had them at six before, but you convinced me of some more. I just think they're going to have some rookie QB mistakes. Listen, Peyton went three and 13. Doesn't mean you're not going to be elite. Ah, it's, it's just, I don't think the classic, he's gonna... the classic Peyton Manning rookie season. Take. <laughs> hey, haven't thrown out there all pod. We got to get it in the preseason as often as we can talking that's, about rookie quarterbacks. That's so, true. Uh, that's give them true. the leniency. Give them the time. Terry all Bradshaw right. didn't start for real until year five. Okay. Give them time. Uh, all right. Two teams left. Who are you more, who, who are you more excited? Atlanta, or New Orleans. All right. I'm going to go 
with the New Orleans Saints. We disagreed on all of these. No way. You really okay? I don't know how Derek Carr and this offense. You still have Camara. All right. You. I know you. All right, Chris Olave is a proven wide receiver, but I'm going to say the name that we love to talk about, you love to hate on, is Michael Thomas. If I just want to see him play snaps this year, and I know you're always going to say, but where is he? Where has he been, right? Um, Where's he at? I, we Still isn't playing. No, he's not. Uh, that was the meme last year about Brian Robinson Jr. It was like Brian Robinson Jr. got shot and came back before Michael Thomas after his toe injury. Like yeah. that's That is insane to think about. And he not only did he get back faster, he got back literally like 10 times fat. Like he came back in two games. It's been easily 20 since Michael Thomas has played. So um, I don't know what's going to happen on, on this offensive side of this ball, but I do like Derek Carr with whatever receivers they do have. Um, they have some good, good linemen uh, uh, on the right tackle side. Ryan uh, Ramchick has, has been pretty damn good. Kamara's still there. And I think that's one thing that people have to like kind of remember. They still have him. They have Tyron Matthew at safety. They have still some playmakers all over. And obviously I think they have, I would say, um, I would go ahead and say maybe the, the behind like Fred Warner, one of the top two or three linebackers in the, in the whole league and Demario Davis, like he is really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, they end up, they drafted Brian Breesey, that dude out of uh, uh, Clemson mm-hmm. uh, on the defensive line. Um, so they're addressing some of that. They still have Cam Jordan. Like I, I think that they, they are going to be a team that's really solid. And you have a guy like Derek Carr come in and then all of a sudden this offense just looks a little bit different. And, um, you know, he had two years ago, the best passing offense in the NFL, obviously like, um, you know, they struggled last year at, at times, but still, I think with Chris Olave and another step of any, uh, he'll take another step in this year. And when he does that, he's only going to elevate Carr's game. Carr's going to elevate his game. Um, he's been there before he knows what to do, how to make it professional. I really like what they're going to do on offense. Uh, and I think they have enough pieces on defense to pull out some wins, but the, and, and I would add this, I think on the schedule side, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a little interesting because they do have, you know, the Texans on there. They do have the Colt. They play that whole division, obviously, but then they even have some, uh, I don't know, like the, the Giants, how great are they going to be? And 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 do these teams match up well? I, I don't know. So there, there's a couple games in here that I think give them the edge. And that's why I think they're going to be next in the division in terms of ranks. Um, it's important to note they are the favorite to win the division. Um, yeah, what's and, their over-under? Uh, nine and a half. All right, that's insane. Can we just say that? I don't think – I can't believe it's that high, but go ahead. Totally agreed. Um. Here's a fun trivia question for you. How many game-winning drives do you think Derek Carr has in his career? 24? 33. Wow. That, yeah, that number, that number surprised me. I'm not going to lie. That number surprises me. He had a lot um, on, on the early on uh, Raiders days that annoyed the shit out of our division. He'd yeah. always get like, he'd steal one or two games, and you're like, you fucking dick. <laughs> um, look, he's Derek Carr has won... Because again, to get to nine and a half wins, um, they have to get to double digit wins, right? Mm-hmm. Derek Carr has gotten more than double digit wins twice in his career. Uh, 2016 was the year they won 12 games, and 2021, they went 10 and seven. Other than that, 
uh, eight and eight during the uh, COVID year in 2020, seven to nine, seven to nine, six and nine, six and nine, four and 12, three and 13. Um, Derek Carr is fine, right? Derek Carr is flashier, but not as good as Kirk Cousins. Derek Carr will make throws that Kirk Cousins doesn't make and will trick you into thinking Derek Carr is the better quarterback. But the truth is, the numbers bear it out, too. Derek Carr is actually about like a half step down from where Kirk Cousins is. Now, that doesn't mean Derek Carr won't do things, won't win you games. We just said 33 career game-winning drives is honestly way more than I thought Derek Carr had. But the one thing with this New Orleans thing, and this is exactly because that number, and we both kind of guesstimated a little bit, that number at 9.5 has been bet up. I think they probably opened at eight, eight and a half, somewhere in that ballpark and have since crept their way up because of the betting public, which I understand nine wins seems feasible with this team. Um, I don't see a world where Derek Carr steps into New Orleans and all of a sudden they're a 10 win team. You know, even with a 17 game schedule where 10 wins doesn't mean as much as it used to. I, I don't I don't see that material materializing um, and, and for for a couple of reasons. Right. Number one. You lose Alvin Kamara for the first three games of the season. Um, they did go out and sign Jamal Williams, which I think is, is a really nice thing. So even when Kamara comes back, um, Kamara definitely took a step back last year. He had his moments where he's still one of the most impactful guys in the league, but oh, yeah. he's not that guy. He's not what he was a couple of years ago, you know, when he was like arguably the most feared guy with the ball in his hands in the NFL. Um, but with seven the, touchdowns in a game or six touchdowns in a game. Yeah. yeah whatever that crazy game was. Um, you have him and Jamal Williams, even at this point of his career, Alvin Kamara, that's a really good running back room. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I love Chris Olave. Love Chris Olave. Not going to say a single bad thing about him. He's a phenomenal player. I think he's going to have an amazing fantasy season this year. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. We said it when he was coming out, he's more Devonte Smith than he is, you know, uh, you know, AJ Brown, right? Not to use two Eagles players yeah. as an example, but in terms of like, is this guy dynamic fast or is he just, does he get open and catch everything around him? It, he gets open, he catches everything. He's so crisp. Love Chris Olave. On the off chance that we actually see Michael Thomas play, and even when he did play last year, he was terrible, but in the off chance that we actually do see Michael Thomas play, we still have no idea what he is. <laughs> okay. It has, we're going on. Four years, almost half a decade since we've seen Michael Thomas be the best wide receiver in football. Drew Brees still played two more years after the last time we saw Michael Thomas play at that kind of a level. Think about that. So you're not you're not taking him in fantasy. I'm not taking Michael (laughs) Thomas. I don't even want to hear the name Michael Thomas. And if Michael Thomas, sorry, not if when Michael Thomas ends up not playing for whatever fucking weird reason. And they have to go with an offensive wide receiver room of Chris Olave and Traquan Smith and then Rashid Shahid or A.T. Perry or, you know, James Washington, who I didn't even realize was still in the league, or Lynn Bowden, the quarterback, then running back, then wide receiver from Kentucky, who has played on like six different teams. That's worse than what Derek Carr did last year when he had Devontae Adams, like arguably the best wide receiver in football and one of the best slot receivers in football and Hunter Renfro and one of the best tight ends in football and Darren Waller. Mm -hmm. Like 
I don't see a world where coming into this. Now, look, could you make the case that the offensive line is better here than it is in than it was in Vegas last year? Yes, because the Vegas offensive line was complete dog shit. But the New Orleans Saints offensive line isn't that great and is full of a lot of questionable guys. Trevor Penning was a first-round pick from last year who was banged up and didn't play for most of the season. Andrus Pete, same thing. Um, Cesar Ruiz, kind of a journeyman guy. He's played on a couple teams. He's been a, he's a solid starting offensive lineman. Ryan Ramchek, you're right, solid, really good right tackle. Um, I, I don't believe in this offensive line. I will say I love Jawan Johnson. Uh, yeah. He finished as a top 10 fantasy tight end last year, and his average draft uh, round is like round eight or round nine. It gets crazy low. And he yeah. was a top 10 tight end last year. So with Derek Carr, who has a pension for finding tight ends uh, in the passing game, I actually think that's a great sleeper fantasy pick for a lot of people. I don't think this offense is going to be that much better. Who knows what the hell happens with Taysom Hill if they still try to get him the ball. Obviously, he's still there. That's always a weird wrinkle that has given yeah. teams fits in the past. I don't see a world where this team is much better than they were last year. I, I really don't. You know, I mean, look, I get it. They had, you know, Jameis playing uh, for some games. Who else? Didn't they have like, I thought they had like two or three different guys who played. Uh, Andy Dalton was their yeah. quarterback for most of the season last year. Um, is I think Derek Carr is an improvement over Andy Dalton. Uh, and I think oh, he's yeah. a little bit better than Jameis. He's going to protect the ball more. I don't think this offense is going to be that great. And and defensively, you're right. Demario Davis has been this sneaky, like could be a Hall of Famer type guy for the last like 10 years. Um, but he's been in the league a long time. Cameron Jordan, who's probably their best pure pass rusher. Cameron Jordan is like, yeah, he's uh, out there. I, I would equate him to like Brandon Grant, like both of them. Like they just keep doing it. Longevity. They're still productive. They still generate pass, you know, pressure. Um, but if, if Brandon Graham was the best edge rusher on the Eagles, that'd be a problem. And yep. that's kind of what we're looking at here with this defense. The secondary, Marshawn Lattimore, stud. We know he's he's been doing it for a long time, still really good. Tyron Matthew, on a team that wasn't really good, the little differences that Tyron Matthew makes, because that's all like when he was in Kansas City, it was like he yeah. made the small plays that make a big difference in important games. This team didn't play in any important games. So his value, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that like it's not as impactful unless you're playing in big-time games where – Tyron Matthew can kind of let his skill set really shine. Uh, Marcus May signed a big contract with the Jets a couple of years ago. Hasn't really ever been the same guy since. I think the defense is not as good as it was before. I'm with you that, like, look, Brian Breesey, that was a great pick, you know, and I think he could end up being a really solid quality starter for them for, you know, for, for a long time. I don't see a world where this team wins 10 games. I, I really don't. And Part of it might be like, look, their schedule is probably more favorable than than others. Again, getting to play the AFC South helps them a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they actually do have a very favorable schedule. <laughs> now that I'm looking at it, um, like all laid out in one go. I mean, there's New England be tough. Jacksonville's tough. Um, who knows we're going to get out of Chicago, Minnesota, Green Bay, any of the teams. Detroit's going to be tough. Um, they play the giants. It's going to be tough. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Maybe, maybe with their schedule, cause I, I'm going to take, walk that back. Their schedule actually is very favorable. Um, but still, 
oh man, 10 wins with this roster would be an impressive coaching job. And that's the other thing. The coach is Dennis Allen, who's done nothing but suck as a head coach his entire career. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know. What's your official prediction for them? I'm gonna go with seven wins under. Seven wins. Oh, this yeah. is so tough. Because like Tennessee, that's a toss-up. Green Bay, we have no idea. We don't know about Carolina. We don't know about any of those teams in this division. What I will know is this will probably be the division we're most wrong about in terms of over-unders. Um, Jacksonville's tough. But then they get like Indy and, you know, uh, Houston. Man, it's tough. It's tough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them at nine. I'm going to put them right at nine. Because this, this schedule really is easy and someone has to be the best. And I will say Derek Carr is the best quarterback as of right now in this division. And he does at least have Chris Olave. They do have a solid running back room. The defense, if they can get one more good year out of the core veteran guys that they have there between Lattimore and Matthew and Cam Jordan and Demario Davis, if that core group can continue to develop and, and like, or continue to help bring the young guys along and they can get some better play, Nine and eight makes sense, and that seems about right for the winner of this division. So I'm going to take nine and eight. You have them at eight and nine. Or did you say seven and ten? Seven, 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 seven and ten. All right, and that brings us to our last team, a team that also, if this team won the division, I really don't think I'd be that shocked, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Desmond Ritter, uh, need to see a big year out of him, but they do have everyone's favorite gunslinger, Taylor Heineke, underneath. Uh, the projected like top 10 fantasy pick Bijan Robinson uh, shortly after that they have, by the way, do you know, uh, Scott, Scott Miller, our boy now uh, playing for the Atlanta Falcons. Ooh. Um, but yeah, Drake London, Mac Hollins, who's had a great resurgence to his career. Shout out JJ Arcega Whiteside still in the league for the Atlanta Falcons. Wow. Uh, Kyle Pitts, obviously. And then a, a young offensive line who, improved a lot last year went from being one of the worst uh, units to one of the best a huge part of that is because arthur smith ran the fuck out of the football um, because he had marcus Mariota and a rookie desmond ritter Um, i loved desmond ritter in college i loved that cincinnati team and i said it when he was coming out he's got a little bit of that jalen hurt this is before jalen had his big year last year so uh, i have the receipts if you want them Desmond Ritter has a little bit of that Jalen Hurts personality type. Really, really mature for his age. Grinder, absolutely day in, day out. Has that like burning, like I want to be the best kind of guy. Like he wants to be on this stage. If he's he's going to get every opportunity to do it this year. Uh, and he has so much talent around him at so many different positions, whether it's Bijan, keep in mind, Tyler Algier or Algier, I think it is Algier. Yeah. Algier. Uh, last year, thousand yard rusher. Yeah, Cordell, right. Pat- Cordell Patterson still on this team. You know, they're going to use him in fun packages. Like there's going to be times where it's like Desmond Ritter and Algier in the back in the backfield. And then it's Bijan, Cordell Patterson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts lined up on the outside. Like there, you know, he's going to have opportunities with really, really talented pass catchers and, and, guys who can do stuff with the ball in their hands after the catch that I think this offense could be really, really, really fun. And defensively they have old heads and they got some young guys 
but they need they need to see some like and like really high level play with some guy from some guys who I don't know if we've seen it now. They nailed that AJ Terrell pick, which everyone thought was a reach a few years ago. The cornerback out of Clemson, he became one of the best cornerbacks in football last year. They take a chance on Jeff Akuda, which I loved that because it clearly just wasn't working out in Detroit. And he was like a no doubt number three overall pick, going to be a stud cornerback. Yeah, I still think there's some talent there. Uh, they go out and get Jesse Bates from Cincinnati in the offseason. Love that. So their secondary, if Jeff Akuda plays better like he was starting to last year, should be good. The defensive line, I love seeing this. Calais Campbell and Grady Jarrett on the same defensive line. <laughs> like just taking us back to like seven or eight years ago. Um, you know, Bud Dupree, like another dude who's bounced around a little bit, but when he's been healthy, he's been a really high-quality starter in the NFL. I honestly think Atlanta, if Desmond Ritter is just sol- just decent, right, solid to decent, I think Atlanta can and probably should win this division. Okay. Um, I don't, I'm not high on their defense, as you are. Uh, I don't think that they have what it takes in the secendary to, to really compete. Like you said, they have the talent, but their players just haven't shown that they're going to develop right. As much as others. And Mm -hmm. on the offensive side, I, I do. I mean, I'm excited. It's weird for like the middle of this offense, right? Like you said, the line Lindstrom's great. McGarry's great. Uh, Matthews. I like uh, this dude. They draft in the second round, the tackle, Matthew uh, Bergerton, Bergeron, whatever. uh, He's out of, uh, yeah, he's out of Syracuse. Um, So I don't know much about him besides like when we talked about on the draft, but uh, I'm excited about that offensive line. Love Pitts. Love Bijan to your point. I, I really like uh, Desmond as well. So it's weird. I like the middle. I'm worried about the outside Drake London. Yes. Was awesome. But outside of him, like I, you, to your point, like what Kaderil Hodge is like your, your guy. And it's like, dude, he, he hasn't really, you have a bunch of guys on the outside that I don't think are going to create separation for a guy like Desmond Ritter, who to your point is essentially a rookie quarterback has three starts under his belt or four, you know, something something is going to have to give here uh, on the outside. And yeah, I think up the middle though, what they're going to do to front sevens is going to be really cool to watch. But I, I personally think that this is going to be the last place team out of this division. The thing I would say is that they're going to be creative with how they line guys up. Like I, Mac Hollins will play a lot. I don't think Scott Miller is going to play a ton. Like, yeah, sorry, Scotty. Um, because I think you'll have like Drake London spread out. You'll have Kyle Pitts spread out. I think we might see a bunch of like, because it'll technically be like 22 personnel where they have two running backs, two tight ends. But one like Kyle Pitts is split out, Bijan split out, and you have Jonu Smith as your blocking tight end. And then you'll have like Algier or Cadell Patterson or somebody in the backfield next to Desmond Ritter. So I think they're going to get creative where it's not necessarily going to be like Mac Hollins is the number two wide receiver option. It's going to be like Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan are going to be the guys who are out there, all three of which can get separation, all three of which are a nightmare to try to take down in the open field, you know, and, and stuff they're going to be do, able to do out of the backfield, passing the ball to Bijan, the screen game, him going out on a little wheel route. Like there's not a linebacker in, in the NFL, maybe Fred Warner, but that's it who can go, you know, foot speed wise, hang on with B. John Robinson. Um, I, I think it's just going to be, a, it, it's going to be a really, really interesting deployment of talent. 
I agree with you. If they sit up and it's like Mac Hollins and, and Drake London and Scott Miller and Kyle Pitts is playing, you know, next to the left tackle online there, like, I don't think that's going to be like a unit that you're afraid of. But that's not what they're going to do. Cause that's, I mean, Cordell Patterson is right. going to be split out wide. You know, Bijan's going to be split out, you know, and even if it's like Bijan's in the backfield and it's Drake London, Cordell, and Kyle Pitts and Johnny Smith is blocking, Johnny Smith can catch the ball too. You know, so that gives you four legitimate pass catching options while also if you want to keep Johnny in to, to pass block. So much of this offense, though, is going to be who is Desmond Ritter? Because I'll tell you now, like if they're yeah. this high on Desmond that he's beating out Taylor Heineke at camp and all that buzz about him looking a lot better so far in camp than he did last year is true. Like Taylor Heineke would win, I think, seven or eight games with this team. Yeah, so if he to your point, if he's beating him out, like we, I, I respect so, Heineke's game a lot too. I don't think he's, I think he's gonna be a great backup in the NFL. Like that's kind of where he he falls. Yeah, so but he's won, you know, eight eight games no, as a starter. Sure. You know, seven or like, eight games. Yeah, like like I think uh, to that point though, like if if he's beating him out, then like as a young player, your development, you're you're already increasing. You know, you're you're improving every year at a higher rate. You could say, yeah. and like you're learning a lot more you don't know as much. Right. So like that learning all of that, how to be a professional, if he's already doing that, it's a good sign for Atlanta. It's a good sign. And, and the, the, and we'll go here. Cause they're over unders at eight and a half, um, which I think is pretty on the spot, but looking at their rock, looking at their schedule, it's very similar to new Orleans. Right. And in fact, they even have an easier schedule than new Orleans does technically. Um, they have to play Detroit, right? But they get Green Bay early, which I'd rather have Green Bay early than have Jordan Love start to heat up as the season goes on if he ends up becoming into something. They oh, have great. to play Detroit and Jacksonville early. But after that, you get Houston, Washington, Tampa, Tennessee. You got one game against Minnesota, but you get to play Arizona. Uh, they have one game late against the Jets. But other than then, it's Tampa Bay, it's Carolina, it's Indy, it's Chicago, it's the, it's the Saints. It's a very, very favorable schedule, and they get a bye a little bit later in the season, too. Um, the kind of like a perfect bye, like week 11 is kind of, especially with the new setup, is kind of like a perfect bye week. Um, depending on like what every team's a little different, but I think for them will be really good. I like Atlanta a lot. I have them winning 10 games this year. Wow. I think they win the division at 10 and 7. Um, because I, I really, I really like I like the defense. Um and I'm a believer in, in Desmond Ritter. I am. Um, I've been a I've been a believer of Desmond Ritter for for a long time, um, going back to the Cincinnati days. So I'm taking them at ten wins. I I got that's yeah. I have them at seven wins. Um, so I got the under seven and ten. We're on we're on the inverse there. We'll yeah. get Scotty's picks on these two, and we'll we'll add them to our tally because we will one hundred percent be referencing these as the uh, yes. season goes. Forward. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll make Beautiful. sure we're held accountable. That's... Love it. All right. Uh, anything else to say to the people there, Vito? No, no, man. Just uh, excited for another week of uh, we get some more preseason, see a little more out of the ones, hopefully, and uh, and we can read way too into it next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, likely going to have an earlier pod for. For then Friday, I am leaving on a trip to Wilmington, North Carolina on Thursday morning. Um, so if we're going to record, ideally we'll record Wednesday night uh, and not sure our conference yet. Um, so far, we've done the ACC and the Big 12. There's obviously been a lot of chaos, and I want to make sure that we do the conference realignment and the death of the Pac-12 justice. 
Um, so maybe we'll do the, the farewell preview for the PAC 12 on Wednesday and we can get into all of that. Um, so yeah, keep, keep us uh, locked and loaded for that. Took a little bit of time off. We were a little busy, but we're back. Um, like I said, Scotty's all the way out in Hawaii. I was traveling. You're traveling. We're all over the place. So yeah, I got to get a flight right now anyway. Exactly. (laughs) So Vito safe travels, my man, get out there safe. Will you be around on Wednesday? Um, I need to see how internet is up there at this lake house. TBD. I'm try to do an actual stream, so we'll see. TBD. We'll, we'll see if we can get it. If not, uh, it might just be a solo Jeff pod, and we'll, we'll figure it out from there. But either way, new pod later in the week for Vito. I'm Jeff. Thank you always for listening. Shout out to Scotty. Get home safe, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, take it easy, everybody. <laughs>